Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I didn't want to party anymore. I didn't want to play games anymore. I grew up. I'd already been in the fights, all the big rituals. I'd already had probably, I hate to brag, I'm not bragging, it's actually shameful, probably 150 women or more. That's conservative. I'd had over 150 women. I'd already been in fights with full-grown men. I was already dating college girls by the time I was 15 years old. I was already a man. Welcome to a brand new life, to a brand new day, all the way from the wastelands of California. My name is Michael, and I look forward to once again serve you those sounds from the underground. First time listeners turn on, tune in, and drop out. This is a very different kind of show, a place where we don't feel so alone. Let us chase away the light no matter what you at home choose to believe, and do admire you for your curiosity. Joining me this evening is Mr. Kevin Moore. Kevin is the host of The Kevin Moore Show, presented and produced by Kevin Moore. The show takes on the world's greatest philosophers, paranormal researchers, life coaches, spiritual teachers, and authors. After the break, Mr. Luke Prophet has returned. A rather unknown man living in Jerusalem has a lot of information on end times and, of course, the antichrist also joining me will be mr lee austin he has drawn assignment for the second half of the program this evening he is a veteran now of course thank you ladies and gentlemen for allowing me into your hearts and into your minds here we are again on a night like this my goodness i do apologize for all of that folks so many troubles have plagued the program yet again now let's get down to brass tacks and bring in our guest and uh, Kevin, are you alive out there? I am, Michael, and it's great to be on the show. Thank you so, so much for uh, allowing me to uh, 
occupy some airspace with you. I appreciate it. My goodness. Thank you so much for being patient. And uh, I'm sorry about that, Kevin. I had no idea what was going on. Oh, it's all good. It's all good. We've got a lot to talk about, I know. And it's uh, it's going to be an interesting show, I think. It really is. And damn Streamlabs, by the way. <laughs> You're right. I hear you. One, Absolutely. one update can just ruin everything. Yeah, I hear you. And that's exactly what happened. So yet again, thank you so much for being here. It's an honor and pleasure to finally get a chance to speak to you. And I do appreciate you reaching out to me. And as I told you before, most entertainers, show hosts, podcasters, musicians, actors, all of that, most of them are rather thin-skinned. So, Kevin, I appreciate you being as cool as you have been, my friend. No, it's all good. And, um, yeah, you know, I've had to grow a thick skin uh, with, with doing this particular docu-series that we're going to discuss in just a minute. So, yeah, no, I, I, totally, I totally get it. No for problem. sure, for sure. Now, Kevin, of course, you are originally from the U.K., and you have made your way out here to America. Yes, yeah, that's right. Uh, born, grew up in the UK, and uh, just settled down in America. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm grateful to be here. And you know, it's been a big transition. And um, I, you know, I just feel I feel like uh, this is where I need to be. Absolutely. So you just felt like you needed to be out here. You no longer wanted to be a part of the UK in that scene. Is that so? <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's so many more interesting stories over here, right? <laughs> I agree, but not always. There's some fun out there in the UK, but of course, you grew up there. You kind of done the song and dance for long enough. It was time for you to become American. I think so. Yeah. Well, I'll always be British, but um, yeah, I, I, I think with doing the the show that I've been doing all these years, I think uh, a lot of the you know the people that I need to be with are over here, and. Um, yeah, I, you know, years ago, I just got inspired by, by listening to uh, Art Bell before I went to uni. And that's what sort of got us in the direction of going to do a late night talk show. And uh, since leaving uni, I've just been doing that ever since. But of course, I've gone in a completely different direction. You know what I mean? I started off a bit like yourself doing the interviews and everything else. And I'll still continue to do that. But um, yeah, it's yeah, you know, sometimes life takes you in different directions, right? It really does. I'm glad you were able to leave the country and experience a whole new part of the world, Kevin. <laughs> well, you know, uh, it, it's allowed me to to get on with uh, with what I'm doing now. So, I'm, you know, I'm grateful and uh, done a lot of traveling recently. We're doing the the channeling docu series that I'm currently putting out right now. They call us channelers. It's a oh my god, what is that? Seventy piece docu series, the largest channeling docu series out there. You, and you've um, done a lot. Yeah, and and this new this new docu series on the uh, Mark Richards case is the the sort of the biggest wake up call that I could have ever have asked for when it comes to discernment. <laughs> so truly, I hope it, yeah, and of course, the very first time I heard of you was because of Joanne Richards. Yes, my friend, yeah. and she didn't yeah. really say too many kind things about you, Kevin. Oh, we're, we're okay, we're okay. <laughs> She's just uh, seen it from a, a different perspective to me. Do you know what I mean? She's, uh, I know she, she, she you know. <laughs> She um she thinks I'm a, Joanne. You think I'm your enemy. I am not. Um, I'm just showing and going where the evidence has taken us for uh, the docu series in regards to your husband. So um, there's no enemies here, and um, I, I actually you know do feel I feel on one hand very no not sorry but just you know I I feel a, a deep um despair in a sense or or or, or um. Uh, it's just not a happy feeling with, 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 with it. And then on the other hand, I, I think, oh, my God, do you know what I mean? She's completely misleading people on purpose. 
Um, anyway, we'll get into that. Yeah, no problem. And of course, you grew up with both parents, typical childhood, all of that, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Amazing. Normal childhood, yeah. Or and, normalist, yeah. And were both mom and dad religious? Nope. Nope. Uh, my father... They were was, heathens. Is that, is that what happened? <laughs> no, my, my, my dad's probably very spiritual, and that's probably what I get that, that's, you know, that spiritual side from. And, and spirituality to me is just, you know, it's just... I'll keep it simple. It's, 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 I know that I'm more than my body. I know that's not the definition of spirituality or being spiritual, but that's okay. That, that's about it. You know, to get any deeper now. Um, so the old man was more open minded. Yes. You know, I, mean, I remember as a kid seeing the Edgar Casey books um, on his shelves and other spiritual books, which I couldn't stand at the time. And then, you know, about half a year ago, I was at the Edgar Casey Center for the Channel docuseries. So, um, yeah, what a, what a full circle that was. Very nice, very nice. And of course, you later on um, became this sort of show host and broadcaster. And I, I guess, I think, I, I think you were even like a TV personality, correct? I did do a, a stint on, on UK TV. Yeah, I did. Back in the day on some, on, you know, backward, you know, TV stations um, or TV station. But yeah, that run for about half a year, that, 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 that show did. And from that show, I mean, I, yeah, from that show, I, um, just continued it online. You built some experience. I did. I mean, you know, I, I never, you know, I'm not, I don't see myself as a wonderful, you know, Art Bell talk show host, but um, I, I can look back now and it's, it's very different, very different. Yeah. Earlier you mentioned before we were having all these issues, you had mentioned Alex Jones. What, what, what exactly drew you into Alex Jones and what of course made you realize that he's probably full of shit? <laughs> Yeah, well, like I say, you know, his production values are amazing. And um, that was one thing that I used to watch. But I think, you know, just getting lost in all that conspiracy porn. Not I everything, think, by the way. He's not wrong about everything. Let me just clarify no, that. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, but, you know, I think that, that conspiracy side just sucks you in. And there's never an answer to that conspiracy stuff. It's answerless. You know, that's when I went to more of the spiritual side to see what well, is their answers of, you know, why am I here? What is this? What is the purpose of sure. life? You know? What, what what is the, what is the I am you know so yeah and what uh, about Alex Jones yeah. yeah Alex Jones but what about now though Kevin are, are there any other show hosts that you enjoy today I'm sure there is I mean you know um I, back in the day I used to like Larry King as well but um you know I, I still do um no not not off the top of my head I'm sure if you asked me that when I was thinking straight um I'd come up with something but the you know I, I think um, I think that you know it, there's a few good ones out there. Do you know what I mean? But um, I think Art Bell was one of the better ones. Well, I can disagree with you on that. Yeah, yeah there's but some I good, mean, as good people. As long as there. you're living in purpose, you're doing what you love to do. Yeah, who cares? Very true. It's all subjective in the end. To be completely honest with you, but yes, going back to uh, Joanne Richards, the first time I heard of you was because of uh, Joanne, and I had seen. One of your comments on YouTube there, and of course, I didn't exactly click it right away, but eventually I did, and I found out more about you, Kevin, and it turns out you're a great, you're a great guy, and you do a pretty good show, my friend. Well, uh, ditto, then. I appreciate that. Absolutely. For sure. Now, how and where and why did you come across Joanne Richards? Okay, so back in 2013, I was, um, you know, doing my interviews as I, as I would do. And, you know, I, I knew that uh, Mark Richards was, was trending on Project Camelot at the time. And I thought, you know what? 
rather than just you know doing a show where you know you only get just a few views, I'm going to try to see if I can contact her and jump on that bandwagon to see you know just to do the interview. Now you know when I did the interview, and I, all I remember from doing the interview was like, oh my god, this is so far fetched. But you know if this is what she's saying, well you know my platform's there just to you know give a, a free speech kind of voice to people, and I never used to sort of you know go again up going. But, you know, I never used to, you know, question people more on what they were talking about back in the day. I still don't do it too much now, except for, you know, in the docu-series that I'm about to release. Um, but uh, that's how I, I came across her. And it wasn't until when, uh, two years ago when I was at Contact in the Desert mm. that I, um, prior to coming to Contact, I was in L.A. and I had interviewed uh, Kerry Cassidy. Um, and we talked about Mark just very briefly. And there was I a guy see. called Jeffrey Reed at the time that, contact me after that interview to say, look, this story is not true. I went to Paradise to go see Jeff. He showed me a lot of online articles. And when I got back to the UK, I then looked into it and realized, oh, my God, there's a, there's a documentary here. Yes. And for those that don't know, we are talking about Mr. Mark Richards. Mark is serving a life sentence for orchestrating a 1982 murder allegedly carried out to fund the takeover of Marin County that's out here in California, and transform it into his own kingdom on Pendragon. Yeah. Good Lord, yeah. Kevin. I mean, this is an incredible story. I mean, not even, not, 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 not to goddamn mention UFOs, but just the fact that this was sort of like another Charles Manson in a way. But it was. I mean, you know, interviewing uh, Mark's crime partner in a, another prison who's um been in there for 37 years, almost 38 years, along with Mark in other, another prison. They're both in separate prisons because they're crime partners. Um, yeah, he, that's what he talks about when, when, I, when I've been interviewing him for the many hours and hours that I have. Um, it was a cult. You know, that's it. Full stop. Joanne is not going to like this. I don't think she's going to be very happy with me saying this. Well, um, it's the words of Crossing Hoover. I got to be know. fair, though, Kevin. I mean, I did give her a platform to talk, and I extend that platform to everyone. And that includes you, Kevin. Absolutely. No, I appreciate that. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, I mean, this is, you know, I mean, obviously she's been on the circuit for many years, you know, on the UFO circuit, uh, discussing Mark's um, research and his time in the secret space program. And none of it is true. Absolutely none of it. He didn't even serve in Vietnam. He's not a captain. Uh, I've done, you know, the FOIA requests for him. Nothing came back. And then when you speak to the FOIA request people, nothing came back because there are no records and they are not sealed. Nothing is sealed. Um, you know, that's just nonsense in, in people's minds to think that that's even true. Um, no, he, he's, you know, he, he was at high school and, and, and he was at community college at the time. And, you know, and, and the people I've interviewed many, many people in this case and they all pinpoint him at different times. And none of it was at Vietnam. He, like his ex-wife said to me, he hated Vietnam. My goodness. And for those out there, we do have that audio of an interview you did with our friend. Crossing Hoover, yeah. That's right. I do have audio of that, and we will be playing that in a moment here. But, of course, this is such a fascinating case, Kevin, and that you learned so much about this, and you even interviewed several of Joanne Richards' ex-husbands, which I think is insane. Uh, definitely, Kevin, you won't be getting a Christmas card anytime soon. <laughs> more like a death threat card no yeah, there, there, for sure several us there, there were about several ex-husbands but there may be more i mean she's been maybe on more 
maybe more, Kevin. Well, well, seven. Some are marriages. Oh some God. are common law marriages. I've interviewed three of the ex-husbands so far. I did not enjoy interviewing them in the sense of, oh my God, you know, it's great to go after people. This is not about going after people. This is um, about a murder that took place in July, on July 6, 1982. A guy called Richard Baldwin, Richard Alexander Baldwin, was murdered at the hands of Cross and Hoover and Mark Richards. And everyone that hears about, you know, the Mark Richards story on either um, through Joanne Richards or Kerry Cassidy, you know, he is just portrayed as the pedophile that deserved what he got, but he was not a pedophile. Speaking to the lead detectives that arrested his ass at the time, um, that was not true. And we'll go into that, that side as well in a bit. But yep. yes, the seven husbands. Um, oh, my goodness. Well, That's a lot of, um, lots, lots of well, husbands well, there. Well, well, you know, yeah, and what they had to say wasn't too good neither. Um, but they all sort of paint the picture that she, you know, it, when she left it, you know, she, uh, she showed her true colors. Now, you could say, yeah, but, you know, that's just the ex-husband's talk, and of course they're going to say that. Um, but no, I mean, it, 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 she always talks about her ex-husbands as being losers. And the three that I spoke to were, you know, well, I spoke to two, and I spoke to a family member of another one. And one of them was Benny Joe Phelps, and he was a guy that was in the army, and he adopted uh, Joanne's daughter, Melissa. And as soon as he signed the adoption papers, she left him and went. Now, he had to pay child support for the next 18 years. She went bankrupt in his name, and she also drew off his pension for many years as well. So he was in the army. So she had experience of people in the army. The person before that, um, was a guy called um, David MacDonald. And two months after the birth or less of Melissa, he shot himself in the head. He committed suicide. Wow. So, you know, um, what psychological effect that had on Joanna. But here's the thing. When she goes around talking on the talk shows that her ex-husbands were losers, I don't think, I mean, I, mean, I, I wasn't in a relationship with David, but I mean, to, to call him a loser for taking his own life, I don't know. It just seems a bit harsh to me. Do you know what I mean? That is kind of harsh. That is pretty cold-blooded to say that, especially if he killed himself and you're saying, well, he's a loser. Yeah, he that's, was a refrigerator repairman. That's kind of cold to say, yeah. Kind of callous. Yeah, yeah. well, you know, there, there is a pattern here. I mean, I mean, when I got that death certificate through me, I was like, oh, my God, I just can't believe he blew his, blew his brains out. But, um, you know, um, we're still looking into into that uh, that one as well. But, um, you know, it, it paints a picture of where she went to and why Mark seemed the perfect fit for her in the end. Because I guess he just didn't want someone there in the end. And, you know, she wanted, to, you know, Mark is a master manipulator. They're both narcissist people. They've both got an ego. And Mark was just, you know, but also what she got with Mark was she took care of Mark's mother, Lois. Okay. And Lois was also suffering from dementia. and. When she married Mark, she became one of the trust holders, and uh, she's on the trust for the house. And when Mark does pass away, if he passes away before her, um, then you know her or if she, you know, whoever passes away first, someone's going to inherit that house, and it's going to either go to Joanne Richards or her family. Follow the money. Unfortunately, I hate saying that, but it's true. Yeah, it's pretty cliche. However, following the money trail, sometimes you'll find gold. You will. And, and I think she also really enjoys what she's doing as well. I think she she either wants to believe Mark's telling her the truth, is totally thinks he's telling her the truth, 
or knows that it's not quite true, but enjoys this lifestyle. I remember I met her at Dimensions of Disclosure, where she was going to come on the documentary. And she said to me, you know, if I can make this my full-time passion, speaking at UFO conferences, I would. Um, hmm. So she does enjoy the attention. And she I enjoys the attention, either. yeah. Well, you know, I mean, she used to be a top Avon seller back in the day as well. Oh, and, okay. Um, you know, uh, you know. Well, that makes sense. Her, you know, like, good on her. But, you know, this is a, such a different lifestyle to that, that, um, you know, it must be, you know, with all the cameras and everything else, um, it must be pretty interesting. I mean, it's took her, you know, abroad as well. That's one Not thing, that, but, Kevin, that's one thing I did notice, however, and I must say this, since we both have gone to these conferences and we both have seen these sort of known figures in ufology uh, parade themselves around a bunch of um, gullible people and... You know, I've noticed that, Kevin, when you go into these conferences and you're there for a couple of days, you sort of get lost in, in the scene, Kevin, for some reason. You sort of lose um, reality to a certain degree, and it sort of hits you once you step out of that little world that you were just in for a few days and you get, you get shot true. back. Yeah, Kevin, you know exactly what I'm talking about then. I never would have thought, and this is me back in the day, right? I didn't know about any of past guests that... Terry Cassidy had on. I just knew about Mark. And I, I just would have thought that she would have done her homework. People that follow her, you know, would have think that she has done her research. And the only person she's interviewed in the Mark Richards case is Mark Richards. You can't do that. I've interviewed, you know, many, many people that knew Mark back in the day. And to say their testimony is worthless because they didn't know about his secret space program uh, stuff. Is, is nonsense. They knew who the man was back in the day. And to go against court testimony, which obviously she does, you know, she, she doesn't believe in court testimony, is nonsense as well. Twelve jurors unanimously all said he was guilty in the court case. And, you know, there was there was so much evidence pointing that he was there. I mean, you know, but, but we can get into that. Just, By the yeah. way, her ex-husbands, were they all criminal minded? No, I don't think so. They were uh, they were all LSD um, Mormons. Oh, LDS, sorry. LSD. Uh -huh, they were okay. all Mormons. They were all Mormons. So they were. Yeah. So basically, you could find these people like in Sedona, Arizona. Well, here's the thing. Here's <laughs> yes. The thing. Here's the thing. She, you know, her marriages were very successive, and I'm not that. Look, there's nothing wrong with getting married so many times. Right? Sure. But, if you want the headache. Yeah. Right. If you want the yeah. headache, yes. But good Lord, that's a lot of times to get married, my friend. Yeah, you know, and Joanne, we, you know, and here's the thing. After she left uh, Ogden, which was um, a marriage that ended in 91 or something. I've got the notes in front of me, but I can't find it. Please then, forgive me, Joanne, by the way. <laughs> well, no, you know, we've had, I've had to do this. This, this is yes, me. I know. We, we have to be serious, but yes. Yeah. Um, she did marry another Richards. And, um, you know, we're just trying to trace that. Whether it was a common law marriage or a main marriage, we don't know yet. Um, but she go, she had an alias of 22 names when we looked her up. Which oh is, my you know, God. Aliases, but it's a lot of aliases. It's a little unusual, a little unusual. And another name I have to bring up here is uh, Sean David Morton. Is it true that she's linked with him somehow? No, not that I know. Okay. All. So rumors. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I would say nonsense. Rumors, rumors, rumors. Uh, what about Carrie Cassidy? Is she somehow linked? to Sean David Morton to some extent. That would be another docu-series, uh, my friend. I, you know, I'm not even going to comment. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, that, that's another. My, my, my two years has been linked to, you know, just, just, just head down our stuff in this. I would say yes, but um, I, you know, I don't know enough about that. I did an interview with him, by the way, right before he was locked up. Yeah. You should take another, a listen to that. Another, 
<laughs> another criminal that surrounds himself by. You know, to have a top whistleblower as a as a, as a the guy that he is, Mark Richards, to have that as your top whistleblower. You know, it's you know why why give your platform that type of energy? But you know, she's determined to to think that he's innocent, and and that's that's fair enough. But it's absolutely not true at all. Go and speak to the lead detectives that arrested him back in 1982. So you're telling me, Kevin, that you don't believe that he was a captain. Is that what you're saying, Kevin? But of course he's not. Absolutely not. Well, you know, when you meet the people that knew him back in the day, absolutely he's not a captain. He's, he, he, he did an interview recently in prison about him being a 60-day wanderer, um, but that's not true at all. He never went, you know, it, it, at the time when he was um, uh, talking about being a 60-day wanderer, he was actually at Marin Community College studying criminology to be a police officer. My goodness. And of course, you don't believe him when he says he was not on planet when the murder happened. But it's either not on planet, having tea with your mum and dad, which of course they're dead, so they can't say anything. Uh, no, he was six foot away from Cross and Hoover at the time of the murder. And of course, this man had priors as well. Mark was involved in a car insurance fraud uh, back in, when he was at uh, Marine Community College. And I've got all the paper articles for that. And I've actually, Joanne, spoken to Mike Peck. I've interviewed Mike Peck, who was his, who was involved in that insurance fraud. And he's given his interview for the docu-series. And he absolutely was there. And I've also interviewed Ross Blam as well, who was his good friend. And, um, yeah, they were, you know, it, 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 he was there. And Carl Shapiro, who was his lawyer at the time for the murder, uh, was also his lawyer back in the day that got him off the car insurance fraud as well. And you've also interviewed Cross and Hoover, and we have audio of that, as we mentioned many, earlier. Many, many days. Days and days and days and days and days. I was going to ask you, how long did that take for you to uh, put together, um, Kevin? Uh, when I, I, I re-interviewed him, and when I first interviewed him, it took weeks and weeks. And when I re-interviewed him, I did the same. I took weeks and weeks, so we had a better way of capturing the audio. People were like, you went into the prison, you're not allowed to go into the prison with audio uh, cap, you know, audio devices. Well, of course you're not. I did it over the phone. You're allowed to do it over the phone, and I had the proper setup for it now. So, um, yeah, we did it. And uh, Weeks. Mar Mark Weeks. Richards uh, apparently gave a signal, and Hoover killed Baldwin with a baseball bat. Is that true? Yes, he killed him with a baseball bat, a, bat, a, bat, a screwdriver, and a chisel. Wow. So. You know, as as Baldwin was like, like Crossy said to me, Baldwin's last few words as he was gurgling was "Why, Mark? Why?" Because Baldwin was at Mark's wedding and he was in Mark's wedding photographs. They were good friends, very good friends, and they used to party together as well. Because I've talked to people that that knew them at that party. And if I recall correctly, Cross and Hoover and Andrew Campbell, they were both like seventeen, right? Yeah, Kerry wow. Cassidy said that they were eighteen. Now they were seventeen. <laughs> even get those facts right Kerry oh my god they were 17 absolutely they were and they were totally manipulated um not not so much Andrew crossing with having interviewed crossing for so long you know getting to know about his childhood I mean yeah he had a very damaged childhood unfortunately I was gonna say yeah. I could tell when listening to him I could tell he was definitely damaged to some degree and he's for very sure sorry. he's very, very sorry, sorry for yeah. the so he, he wants to you know he just wants to come from he calls it love now and everything else. Time is there. Um, you know, I, I did, you know, I did meet Mr. Baldwin's uh, sister, only remaining family member. She went all the way from Marin County to Maine, and I traced her down. And you know, she didn't want me there. Um, but like she said to me, she is so she is, is still as devastated today she was 37 years ago. 
And when I said to her, there was someone called Joanne Richards and Mark and, and Kerry Cassie giving this man the platform, she was even more devastated legally about it. She must have been pissed. She was upset. Yeah, I could, was, I could imagine. I could only imagine. And going back to Uber, you could tell that there's so much that went on in this guy's life. And I could feel sorry for him, but that still doesn't clear up the fact that he committed murder. That's the that's the only bad part, though, Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, it's like the lead detective said to us, you know, hey, you know, you may be getting on. He's a nice guy. But don't forget, he took this guy's life. He still killed and, someone. But he was completely manipulated by Mark. I will say that most 100 percent. You know, I mean, um, he got uh, uh, 25 to life. Um, he, you know, they're not releasing him yet because they don't feel that he's ready to join society. Sure. Um, he was also drugged, by the way. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He was into drugs. Yeah. 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 Marijuana, cocaine. Yeah. Absolutely. I yeah. could see how yeah. that could lead you down that road and uh, become easily influenced to someone that you looked up to at one time, especially when you're that age. Yep. Oh, I could understand I, that, no doubt, for sure. I have sympathy for him. However, he still carried out the act of murder, which is wrong. Absolutely. 100%. Even though, even though we were having this this conversation beforehand, Kevin. Uh, off air about pedophiles and i told you how i felt about pedophiles i thought you know if someone hurt let's say my son or daughter for sure i would want to kill that man but sure. i'm gonna be honest with you i would definitely want to shoot that person in the head and it, it's happened in the past there was a man who actually killed a guy on national tv uh, because his son was molested by his karate instructor yeah well what mark cleverly did was to, you know, um, get into the mind of Cross and Hoover. He got into his worst fears. That's right. His beautiful Nazis and, and all sorts of other crap. And he worked on him and he used the story that Baldwin was a known pedophile. By taking him out, it was doing a service to the community. He would get all his cars. He'd be able to sell his house. You know, there was, there was money there because Baldwin had money that, you know, stashed away that would be drugs. Right. You know, obviously. And also what he did as well. Uh, when they got, um, when Mark, um, Cross and Andrew were, all the murder took place, you know, he got Baldwin to do certain things which we're going to go into the documentary about. Right. That led Rossi to believe that was the case. It was also cleverly done, you know. Um, and, and there was no child pornography found at Baldwin's house all this time. You know, it, it's just, you know, but uh, I mean, Carrie's got to be careful when she says on a, on a interview number 10 of Mark Richards, you know, Bol Bolwin was a known pedophile by her researcher, Paul Collins. I mean, it's just not true. I mean, none of it's true. All the research that Paul Collins has done on, you know, on Carrie Cassidy's site, I can say none of it's true. Um, but obviously we've got limited time here. So understood. And we will be playing that interview you did with him. And again, my God, that was excellent work you did with that short phone call there. I was blown away by that, my friend. Well, it's the truth. The truth resonates, doesn't it? Do you know what I mean? I and mean, the truth hurts. And the truth hurts. He was told the truth. I've got the original 1982 interview tapes with Cross and Hoover about a, a number of different times. And he's saying the same thing there as he is now in his, in, his, in his late 50s. Amazing stuff. And, of course, let's just put this into context. There was a one by the name of Carrie Cassidy, for those that don't know. And you've got a lot of heat with her and... She probably has plenty of heat with you, my friend. And, of course, I've heard she said some inflammatory remarks about you. And I'm wondering, Kevin, when did this sort of um, beef begin? Well, as, as soon as I 
you know, wanted her to come on, you know, and I, and I was saying that, you know, we were collecting the evidence to show it was opposing. Uh, that was it, you know, um, you know, I'm mind controlled, I'm a CIA asset, you know, I'm working for MI5, I'm working for a, a, a pedophile ring in the UK. I mean, it's just in the words of, of nuttiness, I'm trying to justify itself. Understood. Understood. She's also someone who won't give you a Christmas card anytime soon as well. No, no, no Christmas card, but just, um, um, yeah, <laughs> no love there, brother. I could tell. I could tell. And of course, she's gotten a lot of heat, too. Lots of people dislike her as well. Well, she seems to have a hard on for criminals and she seems to surround herself by them. And, um, you know, court cases go out the window and that, that they, they don't, um, they're just part of a deep state cover up. I mean, it's just nonsense. But for people that are in that arena, because you, they're that trust level with her, unless you've done something like I've done, and I'm hoping to show what I've done on, on, on the docuseries, just to start using some discernment, for God's sake, you know. But then again, we don't always get the opportunity for someone to show the opposing opinion sometimes. Yes. And by the way, Kevin, back to Joanne really quickly. She mentioned to me during the interview, and she didn't, she didn't exactly tell me that this was actually being recorded. But she did mention that you did barge in there during one of her conferences. And Absolutely. Yes. And I did. I finally did see footage of that, by the way. But of course, she, yeah. didn't, she didn't tell me that it was actually taped until, well, you know. Well, well, <laughs> let's just clear up another little lie. She said I left with hotel security. Uh, well, I can only tell you the truth that I actually walked out. There was no hotel security. I just got out of there. It, and I paid to get in as well. I paid. Yes, I went undercover, but I, but, but I paid to get in. So, you know, it's just, you know, yeah, no, of course I wasn't invited there and I wasn't welcomed there, but I wanted to see one of her talks. Yeah, you bought a ticket. It's a pu public uh, space there. So you went and you watched Absolutely. her. Yeah, you watched her at one of her seminars of sorts. And of course, you yeah. asked her about. Mark. But it's the way she twists the mm -hmm. truth. I was taken up by hotel security. I mean, she, and, and if she was here, see, Joanne, I really want to have a debate with you. I'd love for you to be on the show right now with me. For us to debate this out, but I, I, you know, the offer's there, isn't it? I mean, would you, Michael, would you want to host something like that if Kerry Cassidy and, and Joanne Richards would, 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 would debate this whole thing together? If Kerry Cassidy and Joanne Richards both wanted to uh, hold some sort of formal debate, I would more than be pleased to do so, Kevin. You know, I would love that opportunity to talk to all of you as I like talking to um, all walks of life, especially those with issues. I think it's a lot more fun as, you know, I come from the radio world. So arguments, it's a sound of music to my ears. Right. <laughs> well, the author's there, but, you know, they, they, I mean, here's the crazy thing. She's saying, she said on your interview that she is releasing Mark's D214 uh, at yes. some UK conference. Right. I mean, uh, what, what fake D214, D214, D214 is she going to release? Because I've already done the FOIA checks. It ain't there. They do not exist. You know, she said some, some crazy stuff on your show last time. A I lot of people anyway. say crazy stuff on my show, well, and, and in general, though. I mean, a lot of people make these extraordinary claims, and most of the time people will just hear it and go with it. For sure, I, I'm, I understand that, no doubt. Well, well that's another thing she said. <laughs> yes. She stated publicly that, that because I spoke to, to Cross and Hoover, Mark Richards' crime partner first, that, um, that that was why she didn't want to participate in the documentary. I mean, what... And that, and that she thought the documentary was just going to be on the SSP and that we weren't going to touch the murder. I mean, how, how wh what, in the, whose right mind would just do that? Do you know what I mean? I mean, Absolutely. That, that's a balanced docuseries. 
Absolutely. And by the way, I was just going to quickly add on that she got kind of um, angry with you when you brought up Mark's claims about being in Vietnam. And it's all bullshit. None of it's true. It's, I mean, it's absolutely not true. You know, um, like I said, I mean, he was studying, you know, to be a police officer at college. You know, I've got his records from when he was uh, doing his uh, historian uh, degree um, at um, Dominica University. You know, look, we can trace him everywhere. I've got people that I've interviewed that, that knew exactly where he was. It, it, it's just not true. My goodness. There's a lot of things that are pretty clouded in, in that case with Joanne and Mark Richards. And lots of people well, I mean, get, uh, I mean, lots of people get upset about this, by the way, because it ties into the secret space program. And that's when everyone gets so uppity. Go ahead, Kevin. No, no. When she talks about that Mark's got, you know, lots of children abroad in England and everything else, right? That's not true. He was only married to Karen. They never had any kids. He wasn't going anywhere on any secret space program. He talks, he talks about that he had sex with a Palladium princess and has, you know, oh children with her and stuff. Oh, right. wow. I mean, it, it's just, you know, it, it is like, like it's, it's a very damaged time, very damaged. But one that also, you know, hasn't had to do much work, but to just get these reports to Joanne and, and, and you know, away she goes, basically. Um, yeah, it's, it, yeah. I mean, anything he says is just not true. And we mentioned this earlier, Kevin. Why do you think she likes to do this, by the way? Why is she going to these conferences and doing what she does? Is it just purely for revenue and because it makes her feel better hey well it's definitely not the revenue um you know it's she is uh, as much as a, as a as a sort of um attention seeker as march mark i think i think she likes the attention the attention you know, yeah um, yeah i i think i think yeah, even my producer says she's as much of a narcissist as mark is well it's that attention that these these uh, presenters get when they go to these conferences it's yeah. it's that same feeling that people get when they go inside a church and they feel the Holy Spirit and they're, when there's people singing along and chanting, uh, you get yeah. the same sort of feeling inside. You it's, get that warm really feeling. You to believe right that that she thinks that Mark is telling her the truth, but then sometimes you know speaking to Cross and other people, that's how persuasive Mark is. He's still and that's why he's still a danger. That's he, why he should not be released. I mean, seems, I'm all for letting people mm -hmm, hear, hearing about him. He sounds like a very charismatic man, very much like Charles Manson. Yes, well, Charles Manson was brought up um, in the, the court trial as well. They referred to the Charles Manson case. In the court oh, trial. wow. That's, now that's nuts. Yeah. That is nuts. Now, I think we should probably um, go to the audio, my friend. Absolutely. Yeah, let's go to the audio. And, of course, I'll, I'll come back to um, asking you about all these channelers that you've interviewed. Because, again, I'm just completely blown away that you... Uh, gone all out with this, Kevin. You've talked to more channelers than I even knew existed, Kevin. My God. All right, I have the audio queued up now. Did we lose you, Kevin? Oh, no, we lost Kevin. That is not good, my friend. No, I'm here. I'm oh, here. Go Kevin, ahead. there you are. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. I thought we lost you there. I thought I'm we... here, don't worry. Yeah, my uh... audio's working, don't worry. Yeah, go <laughs> ahead. You're going to play that audio clip back. I, I thought we lost you in Vietnam. <laughs> yeah, yeah, out of space, yeah, yeah. All right, buddy, we'll play the audio now, and here is the interview, folks, and my God, my God. Gary Cassidy, I'm Crossing Hoover. I'm the crime partner of your top whistleblower, Mark Richards. I lost 37 years of my life due to Mark Richards' manipulation of me when I was 17. I am now 55 years old. 
1982, I was employed by Mark Richards, and I was manipulated to help Mark Richards murder Mr. Baldwin with a promise of $5,000, a doom buggy, for the use of his uh, Porsche 911 and uh, lodging within his house uh, after this was taken care of. I was to be given the title of uh, Duke of Angel Island as part of the uh, cult Pendragon as a plot to take over Marin County. As a result of Mark Richards' manipulation of me at 17, led me to the murder of Mark's friend and uh, best man of his wedding, Richard Baldwin, in which Mark planned the murder and instructed me step-by-step on the murder of Mr. Baldwin. Mark stood six feet away from me throughout the ordeal and also took part in disposing of the body in Loch Loman uh, Bay. Mark also went on a spending spree of Mr. Baldwin's credit cards and much more, and building a line of credit and whatnot. By interviewing just Mark multiple times and not once connecting with myself, his prior partner, getting his statement, then as a journalist, that could be seen as twisting the truth for the narrative to fit just Mark. Actually, you're only getting one side of the story anyway. Just Mark's side. Mark has never told the truth in the case of Mr. Baldwin. The truth is all I have ever known and all I've ever told. Mark was never off planet when the murder of Mr. Baldwin took place. Mark was right next to me as I struck Mr. Baldwin down. Nothing more can be truer. Mark is not a captain of any stature. And Mark has never been a prisoner of war because he was never in the military. But this is just more of the insanity speaking of Mark. Mark is not an honorable officer of the Navy, and he is not not framed for the murder. He was the head of Pendragon, in which I was a part of, and he was the leader of, to take over Marin County in California, which would have been modern-day terrorism. Terry, if you wish to hear my side of the truth on Mark Richards, if you are looking for the truth on Mark Richards, then I will give you a full testimony and the truth as I remember it. Because, ma'am, you were not there as I was. Miss Cassidy, how is it possible for you to only have one side of the story without ever interviewing me crossing over? You know, he makes a great point there, by the way. Absolutely, he does. a really good point there. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, and and for Joanne, why has she never wanted to go and meet Cross and Hoover? Why has she never wanted to go and just get the facts for herself from the crime partner? I mean, you know, well, unless she's so brain and mind controlled by uh, Mark Richards, that, right, you know, right, he believes every word he's saying. I mean, it's just it's just not logical. Do you know what I mean? Because um, she was, before she met Mark, she was visiting other prisoners in the prison system because she used to say, she said on many interviews, it was just something to do. So she can't be scared of them. And she knew Cross and Hoover, you know, uh, all about him once she got to know Mark. So what would have been the issue of going to see him? I hate to say this, and I apologize, Joanne, but do you think she's psychologically damaged to some degree if she's doing this repeatedly, meeting people in prison? Well, um, no. That I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> That's okay. You don't have to. Yeah, yeah. Only, only because you know, I, I'm on this journey. I've met other people who've met people in prison, and you know what? 
again, I think. Well, I, I mean, Kevin, you're not you're you're not getting into you know personal relationships with them. Well, she was on the hunt. She was meeting other prisoners before she met Mark. She had met other people. That's that's all I'll say. Um, is she psychologically damaged? Well, and maybe the the audience can make their mind up once they they've seen the docu series. She's gonna hate me uh, for saying that one. Well. We, you know, yeah, no, it's a, it's a fair point to look at it from a different perspective. But I mean, are, are you able, if if there is some damage there, is she able to self-evaluate? I just don't, mm. maybe not. And as other people will listen to this, they'll say, hang on a minute. No, 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 She's, you know, just, she's got his house. She's a part of the trust. You know, she's got what she wanted. You know, she's got, you know, she's got everything in this man. You know what I mean? Is she and, self-aware? And he, That's the question, right? But he was her mentor. He My was her mentor in setting up the publishing company, Echo Bites, the newspaper that they were doing, uh, Avion Magazine, um, uh, the, the Earth Defense Headquarters, which is a, a non-for-profit company, but really they're selling Mark's, um, you know, reports through it, which are fake. So is it really, it, it, you know, where, where legally does that non-for-profit company stand? Um, you know, it's, you know, they went to the Innocent Project. The Innocent Project turned them away. Well, they only turned them away because they looked into the case and said, this is bullshit. You know what I mean? Of course, there's, right, there's, right. No, to save, there's no way to save this man. He's, he's, he's you know, dug his own grave. You know what I mean? And don't forget as well that, you know, he purchased the boat, Mark did, um, that, 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 the picture, which they disposed of uh, Mr. Baldwin's body. He was seen by the security guard when they put, when, when they took the boat down to the, the lock. To put it in the water that night. He used the murder victim's Mr. Bourne's credit card and got no, well not credit card, but a line of credit at uh, Matthews TV in Daly City uh, after the murder. Um, he um, disposed of Baldwin's property, including a safe, which when they arrested him, the safe was in the back of his car and lots of other items to do with the boat, with the the, the, the blubbers on the carpet and stuff. Um, and obviously you've got Andrew and Crossy. Who you know have their statements and all the other boys that were working from him. He, he did not have a large construction company. It was a very small number, about four people that were working for him. Uh, maybe six at a, at a push. At a push. Um, yeah, so much more could be said. Yes, lots more can be said. And of course, do you think Kerry Cassidy will actually interview him at any time? Hoover, that no. is. Oh no, I, I don't. I don't. I mean, I would be so shocked if she did. Because he, you know, he wouldn't let her twist her, his words. He just wouldn't let it happen. And no, no, she don't want to hear the truth. Um, you know, this, this gives her some money because she'd ask for, for donations to go and see him in prison. And, you know, it's that thing, oh, I've got a top whistleblower in prison kind of thing. And, you know, she's already got an audience that, you know, are locked into her. They're not going to, you know, they won't see this. But I, I, I do this for Richard Baldwin. That's one of the main people I do it for. You know, um, I think he's been uh, haunting me to get this docu-series out if anyone has and um you know um to put understood. his name right in this understood my friend now of course we will go back to the audio therefore as a professional journalist you're doing what donald trump does with fake news you only want one side and not both sides mrs cassidy uh obviously you've been swayed by mark Richards' charm or whatever it is that he has the same old that he had on me as a kid now he has on you and all you want is his information and not everybody else's information as to the truth of where Mark Richards was on July 6, 1982. My feelings for Mark Richards is I wish the dude was dead. That's just the plain simple of it. He ruined my whole fucking life with a fantasy that was a bunch of bullshit to do some harm to fucking Mr. Baldwin. And I mean, it's, to me, I look at him and I'm thinking, you 
you know, you're sorry, son of a bitch. All of this was for nothing. You, you had me do something to somebody for a fucking... Now, Kevin, as he's saying these things, what was going through your head? Um, my God, he's telling the truth. And, you know, there's normally two sides to a story, but in this case, there isn't. And not not just did I say he was telling the truth because did I feel it, but also all the other people that I'd interviewed as well, they all said the same thing. And if you're going to go against court testimony as well, then, of course, you know, there's two sides to a story, but the court testimony, which is available on richardbaldwinmovie.com, you can download it from there. Um, you know, there are the facts and, and, and there are non-facts. There, there, there is disinformation. So I felt that he was being, well, absolutely, absolutely been honest with me. Um, and here, I mean, here's another thing about Mark. During the court case, he had um, divorced from his wife, Karen, and he had been bailed out uh, by money from his family home. It was about 500000 that they had to put the home up for. They didn't lose the home, but they had to bond it out, basically. And he was put back into um, jail, basically, uh, at some point, because there was a lady called uh, Linda Lipes of San Rafael who was dating Richards at the time. And she noticed that, you know, he was driving around with a, with a gun in his glove compartment. And she realized, actually, this was the man that was on TV in this court case. And when uh, Linda Lights testified in court of what had happened, she said that um, uh, Mark had um, basically said that he'd identified himself as Francisco Rodriguez, a South American consulate official from uh, maybe Belize, I think it was. And, um, you know, and, and of course, that wasn't who he was. It was Mark Richards. And, um, you know, just just, just the sort of weirdness in the court case, do you know what I mean? That, you know, he was doing that kind of crazy stuff even back then. Yeah, it's all pretty damn wild to me, my friend. Now let's go back to the audio. No other reason than your own fucking greed. And that's what it boils down to. That's all Mark Richards ever does. He fucking plays on people's emotions and whatnot to get his way. And uh, twist the truth, twist whatever, to get some financial gain out of it. Granted, I wasn't the best of people, you know, when I was a kid and uh, followed right along with this concocted story. But, I mean, that was my mindset at that time. I mean, I'm, I, what, I'm following around a grown-up. This man can't be wrong. You know, I, I mean, it ain't like I'm following around a bunch of other kids. This is a grown-up. Got to be telling the truth. Wrong. And, uh, and it's, it's disturbing me the fact that, uh, he's doing this all over again, but he's using some other manipulative tool, whatever it may be. You know, he's, he's using Carrie Cassidy as his voice and channeler of all his bullshit. And he's twisting the facts of what really happened or what he wants everybody to think didn't happen when he was, in fact, right next to me the whole time. I mean, uh, there ain't no way that uh, Marin County's Ed Barbarian got this shit that wrong, and this guy wasn't actually who he was at, in 1982. It wasn't like they didn't convict the right guy, Mark Richards. Because if there's no uh, Pendragon, then what the hell am I doing here? This is all an illusion? 37 years of an illusion? The man was a fucking sleeve bag. He is a sleeve bag, not was, is. Mark Richards is going to tell you what he wants you to believe. It doesn't have to be the truth. He's going to tell you what he wants you to believe is the truth. So if Mark tells you that Mr. Balls is alive, he's believing in himself. He believes it. Now he's trying to get you, convince you that that's in fact the truth. When it's 
not the truth. It should be an effort to discredit him because the man's a fucking lunatic. He's full of crap. He ain't a messenger of anything but evil. This guy is full of crap. This is how you take Mark Richards. What he's telling you, think the opposite of. If he tells you go, you, you need to stop. You never know what is the true and what is the lie with this fucking dude because he doesn't tell it. Now, Mrs. Richards here, if Mark Richards was innocent, then why wasn't he found not guilty? First of all, how is this story so concocted that he's now served 37 years long, right along with me, based on the true Pendragon? Because that's how they did it. When they convicted Mark Richards of murder, they used the Pendragon. They didn't use Cross and Hoover as being a, a manipulated murder for hire. They used Pendragon, the manipulation of a bunch of kids in the Marin County area to kill at the will of Mark Richards. That's the truth. You know, this is one thing that disturbed me during this whole thing. When it came to the trials, they separated them. They did Mark Richards' trial, who was the mastermind of the cult, and then it came to my trial, and it was Mr. Hoover who was manipulated for the financial gain uh, to kill Mr. Baldwin. Granted, it may be true, but it's not the fucking real fact. The fact is, Mark Richards was the leader of the cult, Ken Dragon, who brought us kids together, where he found out which one of us were weak-minded, myself and Andrew Campbell, and we did this murder for him. Now, that's the truth of the matter. Miss Richards, there's 17 years between the time you met Mr. Richards and uh, the conviction, the arrest, that's unaccounted for. Everything that you would have in your home would be placed there by you, not by somebody else, by you. So therefore, you help to create the illusion of bullshit that Mark wants you to have because uh, there's 17 years you can't account for of what Mark had, what Mark didn't have, what Mark was and what Mark wasn't. You only know what Mark told you that he is, the same as I did in the beginning. This woman, Mark, has got her twisted up in the head just like I was, so she's now the new Cross and Hoover. Well, both of them, actually, actually, both of them, they're, they're, I mean, if they're convinced that this guy is telling them the truth, both Terry Cassidy and Joanne Richards have been swayed by this guy's BS, just like I was. He twisted the truth or whatever he's telling them into a, a pack of lies, and they're, they've, they've bitten into it and are falling right along where I was. <laughs> oh, well, so be it. I know the truth. It is what it is. Mark Richards is a, uh, how do you explain this? I wish he would have found somebody else or he just fucking did it himself, a coward motherfucker. Rather than soliciting all these kids to do the damn dirty job, why didn't he do it himself, you know? Because that's just the plain and simple of it. It was, gather all these kids, have us do the dirty work. Then when the shit hit the fan, step away and a, and attempt to say, this is none of my idea. This is none of my idea. The kid, it was all the kids' idea. That, the, this, to me, is a fucking crock of shit. You know, the man is a freaking coward. This guy, this right here alone shows that the man wouldn't have fought for the country because he's a fucking coward. 
And it's, it's appalling, to, you know, and then he sucked all these parasites into his beliefs of whatever the hell this rhetoric this guy's speaking now. And I mean, the, obviously the followers are being taken down this fucking rabbit hole by this lunatic once again, just like Carson Hoover was. Now we've, took, uh, now we've got older people once again, just like these people that we were worked for, the clients, the church people, all these other people to believe in what he was. He was a carpenter. This guy was a carpenter my ass. I don't even think he was a carpenter. I mean, the fact that he, I mean, I, I don't think he was a carpenter. <laughs> I, I don't I don't even, Everything is a, an illusion that, that he puts out this false front, and then people are to believe it. There's, there's no way to track down the truth other than, okay, more than likely, they destroyed all the evidence from both of our trials. This is fun. Now, I had to stop the audio there because we are running out of time. Yes. That's the only uh, bad thing. Yes. I, I see that the other guests are uh, lining up here and messaging me. Good, good, good. I guess that is the bad signal that we do have to wrap it up here. But before I do, I must say, Kevin, that was explosive. And, and if anybody wants to listen to the rest of that, they could go to your channel over on YouTube and check that interview out that you did, that phone call. My God. Absolutely. Just go, yeah, if you just type in www.themoreshow.uk, it'll take you straight to my YouTube channel. So, yeah, check it out. There. Very and nice. I, will, I, will just, I will just say this very quickly as well, that, you know, we did interview as well uh, Mark's ex-brother-in-law. And back in the day, Mark had stolen his licensing contract. And uh, he came on tape to, uh, to talk about that. So, yeah, a bit of a history there. But... My goodness. And, of course, before I let you go, did Jeffrey Epstein kill himself? Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, well... That that's a whole other story, right? But I don't. Believe it. <laughs> but that's just my own conspiracy, right? Incredible. Now, my friend, I must say, thank you so much for being a part of the program. And uh, Kevin, we got to do this again in the near future, my friend. We will. When the docu series comes out, we'll we'll, we'll co I'll come back on, and uh, you know, it, it, it'll just be uh, it, it'll be more constructive in the sense that the docu series will explain it so much better than I can sometimes because there's so much twists and turns to this story. It's incredible. There's a lot more to this, and I definitely feel like we need to do this again and cover even more of this because it's it's um it's goddamn amazing to be honest with you. This is a UFO case. This is a murder case. This is all sorts of things, all compiled into one giant package for us to uh, dissect. Kevin, just you know, use discernment. You know, just just because someone's saying something, you know, if it's too far out of shared reality, be careful. That's, That's right. All. No doubt. Kevin, before I let you go, the floor is yours. Please feel free to plug anything you'd like, my friend. Go ahead. No, I'll just say that uh, um, my main way to catch me is on YouTube. So just type in uh, the Kevin Moore Show or The Moore Show and you'll find me there. And I appreciate everyone listening to this. And Michael, I appreciate you getting me on. So thank you very much. Thank you so much, my friend. And we will do a part two. Kevin, please enjoy the rest of your weekend out there in the East Coast. Take care. All right. Mahalo. And there he goes, boys and girls. That was the one and only Kevin Moore from the Kevin Moore Show. And you can go and listen to him on his program and check out his YouTube page. Great stuff. Very great stuff. Very informative and entertaining. I do like Mr. Kevin Moore. He is quite the interesting fellow and has made some great videos. Check his stuff out. Now, 
Looking at the time here, boys and girls, it is that magical time where we go to the bathroom or the kitchen or maybe even both. Whatever it is, come back. Round two is next. Don't go anywhere. Stay tuned. Welcome back, boys and girls. I do apologize for the wait, but now we have returned to part two of the program. Don't worry. We have found everyone. Now let's bring them in. Gentlemen, are you ready? Can both of you hear me okay? Yes, I can. I can hear you. Yes, I can hear you fine. Fantastic. Now, I do want to thank you, Lee Austin, for hanging out with me this evening. You have drawn assignment to play co-host here tonight, and I do appreciate that, Lee. No, oh, you're welcome. Amazing. And of course, we are joined by Mr. Luke Prophet, another veteran of the program. And this is actually your only second interview. Is that true, Luke? That, that, that's true. Wow. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> are, are you nervous, Luke, since this is your second interview here? Yeah, a little bit because I'm having a couple of technical problems here, but uh, I'll be okay. Fantastic. Well, you sound good. Both of you sound great. And I'm glad we are both here this lovely evening. And of course, the last time you were here, um, Luke, I was gonna, I was gonna call you Mister Prophet, but <laughs> Luke, the last time you were here, we talked about biblical prophecy, and we also talked about the Antichrist and who you suspected was uh, Jared Kushner, if I recall correctly. Is that so? No, no, it's not Jared Kushner. I believe it's um, Antonio Guterres of the United Nations, Secretary General. Oh my! See, now we'll have to go right back into that. And uh, my God, so many things to talk about here tonight. And of course, Lee, I'm glad that you are here. He's a great guy, an author. And my God, so many things to talk about. But Luke, you are not in this country. Where exactly are you? Go ahead and remind the listeners out there. Well, I'm, I'm in Egypt. I've been here about uh, three and a half years now. You've been there for Just, three uh, years now. Three and a half years. Yeah, I'm right between... The Red Sea Mountains and uh, the Red Sea. So I've, I've got a nice view on both from both, both the left and the right <laughs> off of my gallery. Does that impress you, Lee? Yeah, it does. What are you doing there? Just writing. Just writing my book. Oh, what's the name of your new book? Um, I Right now, I'm just putting articles on... Um, on uh, I, don't, I don't even have a website right now. I'm just putting articles on. I've got 16 articles on... Um, before it's news, if you, people just want to search on my name, all 16 articles will come up. So I'm trying to get up, I'm trying to get uh, another four or five done, and then I'm going to put them all in a, in a book and try to get it published. Oh, okay. Why are you there over <laughs> in doing this? Are you a U.S. citizen? 
No, 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 no. I'm not a citizen. I just have to renew my passport every six months to stay here. But no, I'm not a citizen. I, w- I was actually told to move here by, uh, well, to be honest with you, it was the Holy Ghost told me to get out of Canada where I was staying for a while and come here. Wait a minute. The Why Holy... did the Holy Spirit tell you to come to? Yes, good question. Are you in Egypt, not Israel? So why why did the Holy Spirit instruct you to go to Egypt? Well, if you um, it, there's going to be a greater exodus out of Egypt uh, after um, after uh, things start to get really serious about America and Britain and the Commonwealth, and people are going to be coming uh, back to Egypt by ship, and that's in the Bible in Deuteronomy. And I was told to come here and um, stay here until that's that's done. What so part of Deuteronomy? What part of Deuteronomy? Deuteronomy is that? Do you have the verse? It's, yeah, it's De- Deuteronomy twenty-eight sixty-eight. That is so weird. I just opened up my Bible, and it opened up to that exact page. No, that, that is right? creepy. I'm not kidding you. I just <laughs> got I just got a chill. Then the Lord will send you back to Egypt in ships. A journey I promised you you would never make again. There you will offer to sell yourselves to your enemies as slaves, but no one will want to buy you. So what does that mean? It means that uh, the Antichrist, after... uh, See, what's going to happen is America is going to be destroyed. It's going to be destroyed by nuclear weapons. Uh, uh, People will be taken. I believe it's by the Chinese and the Russians. They'll be taken out of America. Uh, They'll probably be taken to these uh, ghost cities in China that have been built and nobody's living there. And I believe eventually they'll be taken out of uh, China and, uh, and, ever, and everywhere else they are and brought back to Egypt to die in the Sahara Desert. And when you say they will be brought back to the Sahara Desert to die, who, who, who are you referring to? Well, basically it's <coughs> Ephraim and Manasseh, who are Americans, uh, the British, Canadians, Australians, New Zealanders. All the uh, Cape, uh, South Africans, all of the original tribes of Israel. Michael? I couldn't hear you. What? Oh, I was just going to see if you had a question for Luke. Oh, no. I'm listening to you. Oh, okay. <laughs> I know. You uh, were taking over. I'm like, okay, Lee's doing good here. Lee's <laughs> Lee's doing good. Okay. I was trying to break your... So, yes, go what, is the, what is the timetable on this? When is this going to begin to unravel? Well, I think it's going to happen quite quickly because um, if you go to... Um, if you go to Revelation, where is it here? If you go to Revelation, um, just trying to find it here. There is a Revelation. Anyway, there's a Revelation. It, it talks about um, uh, the two prophets. Two prophets in. Um, oh, yeah, that's Revelation 11. Revelation 11, yeah. Um, right. I'm talking about, okay, a, a Revelation 11, uh, 10, I believe. Yeah, Revelation 11 and 10. Well, I believe that those two prophets are actually um, Donald Trump and uh, Michael Pence. Really? I, yes, I believe. Uh, yes, uh, that's what I believe. And I believe that um, they are going to be assassinated. And they are going to be assassinated between the second, after the second, which has already been done, but before the third um, State of the Union address. And the reason I believe that is um, that uh, in Jeremiah, um, Jeremiah 51:46, I believe, uh, it mentions a report, and it says the first report, and then it says it mentions a second report. Well, uh, all of my analysis of the Bible is done through Gematria, and uh, if you put in a report in Gematria, it matches perfectly 
uh, with to the three numbers, and I use the three numbers um, of uh, of Hebrew, English, and simple geometria to match what the Bible says. You always need three witnesses. Well, the, the report matches um, State of the Union address. So I, I believe my understanding of uh, Revelation 11 is that it's either Moses and Elijah. Yeah, well, most people most people think that, but I, 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 if you go to Revelation 11, okay, if you go to 11, uh, 11, 3, okay, or, uh, yeah, uh, mentions uh, uh, Revelation 11, 3, there's two olive trees, and then also mentions, mentions two lampstands, and then down on 11, 10, it mentions two prophets. Well, that's a total of six different individuals. The two lampstands, um, no, not the two lampstands, the two olive trees were, um, I believe they were uh, James and John of Zebedee. Because if you go back to um, Matthew, uh, you, you'll notice that uh, uh, John and James' uh, uh, mother asked Jesus if uh, her two sons could sit on both sides of Jesus in his kingdom. And Jesus said, no, that was only for the father to, uh, to decide. But he, uh, he asked that John and James if they, were, if they would um, drink from his cup. And they said, yes, they would. And that, as far as I'm concerned, was saying that they would come back and then they would die just like he had died, but not in the same manner. So I believe that they are John and James of Zebedee. And then I believe that um, the other two, the two lampstands, are an additional two um, apostles. Because um, the word, um, I believe like a total of four pro uh, pro uh, apostles will come back. I don't know yet who the other two are. But um, they will be coming back as witnesses. They won't die. But John and James uh, of Zebedee, notice that it says they were for 42 months, and it also mentions that they were in sackcloth. Well, if you if you look at um, John and Robert Kennedy, they were in power in power for 40 uh, just about for 42 months, little less than that. Uh, if you take the time that um, uh, that um, Robert Kennedy stayed as uh, as Attorney General. After his brother had died, so uh, and also the word authority uh, matches in gematria; it matches it to, to um, president. In other words, uh, they, one of them would be president of the Amer of America. So that's who I believe the two the two uh, witnesses are. Amazing. I don't think I you don't think the think, two witnesses are JFK and RFK. I think they came back. Uh, yes, I think they came back, but they were they were originally John and James of Zebedee. I got to tell you, I'm not even close to where you're at. Chapter 11 in Revelation is called the two witnesses. I don't yep. know how I don't know how you get six witnesses out of a chapter that's called the two witnesses. <clears throat> and in that chapter, it says in verse three, I will give power to my two witnesses. Verse four says these two prophets are the two olive trees. It's two, two, two all the way through. And I have no idea where you're getting RFK and JFK. No, I think you're, doesn't say I that. Think you're, I think you're way, way it says, off. It says, it says the, the, these these are the two olive trees and the two lampstands. Yeah, that means they're both. <clears throat> just, no, just, no, like, they're just like Jesus is the lion and the lamb, these two prophets are simultaneously the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord. They're not two separate groups. But and even, again, if you, if, you, if you wanted to say that, the, that that's true, and if you wanted to say that they were Elijah and Moses, 
Elijah and Moses don't come through gematria and match two lampstands and two olive trees. I'm not don't. saying it is. I'm just saying a lot of people believe that. I don't know. Oh, I know they do. And they also think they're going to be going back and they're going to be coming, going to Israel. But that's not true either. The other thing is, uh, when you mentioned the, the, the cities, uh, it mentions in this, in this, in the same, in the same chapter, it mentions, um, Sodom and it mentions Egypt. Well, right. Sodom in, in Gematria comes out as Los Angeles, where one of them was, where uh, Robert just, died. In my opinion, you're just reading way too much into it. That says, and their bodies will lie in the main street of Jerusalem, the city which is called Sodom and Egypt, city where the Lord was crucified. So the two witnesses are going to be killed in Jerusalem, and they're going to let their bodies stay there for three days, and people are going to celebrate, and then the Lord's going to call them up. And then an earthquake is going to occur, and then great fear is going yeah, that, to. That doesn't apply. That doesn't apply to the the, the two witnesses, the two witnesses of, of, of uh, who are the lampstands and the uh, and the olive trees. That applies to the two prophets that are down below. The two, be, the two prophets are the two olive trees. No, they are not. And they're the, the two, two lampstands. I read it literally. I don't know what you're reading into it. I'll read the two, it. The, the two these, prophets. These two prophets are the two olive trees and the two lampstands. That's just like saying Jesus is the lamb and the lion. He is both simultaneously, just like the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all God simultaneously in different forms. You're reading, you're reading way too much into it. If you no, just I'm take it literally. I don't, I don't read the words. All, well, all, if you don't read the words, then how can you understand the Bible? Because the Bible is nothing but uh, but mathematics. It's all geometric. No, it's not it's mathematics. The, no, yeah, the Bible is. is not. The Bible is nothing but words and numbers. Yeah, the words are the numbers. No, the words are the words, and the numbers are the numbers. No, they are not. When it no, says there was given a measuring stick, those are words. Those are not numbers. No, they aren't. They are not numbers. The whole thing is numbers. Because so if, you're uh, reading, if you're reading it as numbers, then you completely misunderstand the Bible. No, for you, you can't, to, for you, you can to assert to... for you to assert that JFK and RFK are somehow tied into the two witnesses of Revelation 11 is insane. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. It is completely no, is. and utterly insane. You, you. This is the worst interpretation of Revelation I have ever heard in my life. Well, and I've been around for 62 think. years. I've been a Christian for over 40. You are insane. Well, so are you. Because if you don't realize that uh, that uh, the two prophets are not the same as the two witnesses, it's not even the same words. Two the two prophets are not the same as uh, in that are in eleven ten are not the same people that are in eleven three. The simple fact that you're tying JFK into Revelation eleven and you're tying you're tying Donald Trump and Pence into the two witnesses is complete insanity. Well, you and this wait, is why you this wait. is why so many Christians get a bad rap because they read the Bible and they come up with this interpretation that is beyond. Well, the only way the only way this is going to be decided is that, is, is, is is when Trump and Pence are assassinated and they are raised after. <laughs> you're, you're nuts. Raised. And you you're really nuts. you really believe that uh, Donald Donald Trump is going to be assassinated, correct? Oh my gosh! Oh yes, I do. Michael, this guy's nuts. My goodness. And this guy how is did, out there. Hold on one second, Lee. And how did you come to that conclusion, by the way, my friend? Uh, it's, it's just by the mathematics. It's, uh, it's, uh, they're going to be raised three and a half days. And I also believe 
that after the three and a half days when they're raised, where it says in uh, Revelation 11, 12, come up here, I believe that's when the uh, rapture is going to occur. But the rapture is not what most people believe. Uh, Christians uh, are, are told in their church that uh, when the rapture occurs, that the dead in Christ are going to be raised, and uh, and then uh, all of the all of the Christians that are left uh, that are uh, are going to be raised, and then um, the church is going to be physically removed out of here. And that's that's what I, I don't believe that at all. I and believe a loud that, voice from heaven said, "Come up here." It's referring right. to the two witnesses. That's not the rapture. No, it'll be the rapture as well. How did you read the rapture into that? It's been talking in the entire tra uh, the the entire chapter eleven talks about the two witnesses, and then after three and a half days, that's three and a half days after they were killed, the spirit yeah. of life of God enters them. They stood up, terror struck all who were staring at them. Then a loud voice shouted from heaven, "Come up here!" And they rose to heaven in a cloud as their enemies watched. That yep. is referring specifically to the two witnesses. Do you understand English? Or do you doesn't read this matter. whole book as a number? It doesn't matter. Well, this is why you're insane. This is why you're insane. You're, you're reading a book with words, and you're assigning it numbers, and you're coming up with JFK, RFK. It's insanity. You're a totally idiot Christian who doesn't, believe, who doesn't, who doesn't want to understand that Gematria – Gematria was, was used by King David. Gematria is crapola, and your theology. Yeah, that's is why crapola. King David used it, right? That's why King David used it. That's why Jesus and the and the scenes and Jesus wasn't a scene. That's why they wrote they 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 used it, and it's used not only in the New Testament. It's used in the Dead Sea Scrolls. It's all through it. I mean, uh, you just don't want to you just don't want to believe that uh, you know that you have to take. I don't believe you have to take the Bible literally by word. Yes, you do. No, you don't. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And that's the problem with people like you. You read a passage and you interpret it and give it your own theology and your own reality. No, I don't give it my own theology. There, I do there's, it from a, the there's, a, there's a part in, in um, where um, the Lord literally stops the sun during mm -hmm. the Battle of Jericho. So yeah. Joshua could have more sunlight. That's right. When the Lord said he stopped the sun, did he stop the earth? Or did he stop the sun? I don't know. I've never looked at it. What do you mean you don't sun. know? He just said it. He stopped the sun. The so sun so That stopped. doesn't prove anything. It does. What, that's what the word says. If you're, not gonna, if you're not going to believe what it says in the Bible, why are you even referring to it? Uh, it's like reading like, an auto uh, manual for a Ford Pinto and putting uh, wings on it and complaining that it doesn't fly. Well, you you just you wait and, and the only way that this is going to be proved one way or another is is uh, if Trump gets assassinated or not. Oh, That's, you're you're insane! I don't even want to talk to you, Michael. He, I don't want to talk to this guy. Uh, he, and I, I don't want to be on podcast with this guy. Because I don't want to be associated with what this guy is saying. The crap that's well, come out of his Lee, mouth Lee, is I, unbelievable. I, take Lee, a I, take a make a choice now, Michael. You Lee, can keep I think me you on or keep him on. But I'm not going to be on a podcast where some guy's talking about people being assassinated. This guy is a lunatic. Well, Lee, I think we should just give him a chance. Let, let him say what he has to about this. I think we need to hear him really quickly here when he says this biblical passage on, on the prophecy of Trump and Pence and Revelation 11.10 and Jeremiah 51.46, as was as where America is in the Bible, uh, according to uh, Luke. Uh, Luke, go ahead and explain a little bit further if you can. Well, I don't know where to start now. Um there's a lot of a lot of people uh, that have read a series of books called uh, Zechariah Sitchin, 
And in there, uh, Zechariah Sitchins says that uh, Nibiru is going to be coming back and there's going to be a benevolent bunch of Anunnaki come back. Well, if you read, um, if you read, um, I don't know, where is my... Uh, uh, and going back to um, <laughs> Lee here while you look for that, Lee, you are not actually at all in favor of Pence or Trump having to do anything with the Bible, correct? Uh, what was that again? I'm sorry. I didn't hear you. Sorry. Oh, I, w I was just saying or talking to Lee while, while you were looking for that passage. I was relaying back to uh, Lee if he is at all in agreement with Pence or Trump being anything uh, to do with the Bible. No. If, do I think Trump and Pence are mentioned in the Bible? No, no, no. Yeah. I, I, no. Well, I'm I'm not saying that they're mentioned in the Bible directly, but you are interpreting that what what the Bible says has to do with them, correct? Yes, I do. I think they're I think they are mentioned in Jeremiah. I think Trump is actually Marduk, and I think uh, uh, Pence is actually Bill. And I th and it and it says that they're going to be destroyed, and they're going to be destroyed when America is destroyed. And Lee, what do you got to say about that? Well, there's some Christians that believe that Trump is a modern day King Cyrus, and that uh, when the Medo, when the Medes and the Persians, when the Persians, uh, when that empire rose, he allowed the um, the Jews to come back to Israel. And when Trump uh, stated that Jerusalem would be the site of the U.S. embassy, that threw the world in an uproar because basically what he was doing was for the first time a U.S. president was recognizing Jerusalem as the legitimate capital of Israel as opposed to Tel Aviv. So a lot of people in the Christian community believe that um, Trump is actually a modern-day King Cyrus and a fulfillment of Bible prophecy. Does God use presidents? Yeah. Did he use Trump for that purpose? Perhaps, yeah. And Lee, where exactly do you stand in terms of President Donald J. Trump as of 2020? I really have become a political atheist. I uh -huh. don't really get involved in politics. I don't think it really matters who's president because uh, the people that run the country are not in the Oval Office, never have been. And Luke, where, yeah. where exactly do you stand with President Donald J. Trump as of 20, uh, 2020? Um, I believe that uh, he, he could be a, he could have been a transmigration of Cyrus. I do believe that, but I think he's going to turn on on turn on everybody. I think he's he could actually be more of a Titus than he could be a Cyrus. I believe that uh, uh, he could come back and he could be the he could actually be the Antichrist who who uh, eventually attacks the Jews through the Gog and Magog War. Amazing, Lee. How do you feel about that? Donald J. Trump potentially being the Antichrist. No. Not feeling it, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. That was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Michael, I'm not feeling it. <laughs> <laughs> Understood. And as of lately, the internet has been abuzz about a potential World War III. Do you feel the formula for war is coming to fruition, Lee? Go ahead. Yes. The Fed, for un for some unknown reason, is pumping trillions of dollars into the market, and essentially the market is inflating, and we're probably going to have zero to negative interest rates. And the only thing that's keeping the market from crashing is the Fed. At some point, I don't know how much longer they can keep pumping. When the dollar is no longer the world's reserve currency, then you could have some problems. 
and how that would look and how that develops, I have no idea. You know, people have been talking about this forever. They they bemoan the fact that we're $22 trillion in debt when, in fact, maybe the Fed can pump it up another $22 trillion. But if you take all of the debt in the world, it actually comes out to uh, $1,500 trillion or a quadrillion and a half. So the derivatives is what Warren Buffett referred to as weapons of mass economic destruction. So at some point, the computers, I believe, are going to take over. And by that, I mean most trades made on Wall Street are done with computers that use advanced algorithms. At some point, I think there's going to be a day where they will take over and they'll have to shut down the market a few days like they did back in 2008. But if it's a currency crisis, then I could see that precipitating World War III. Yeah, it feels a lot like 2003 right now. It does. Uh, the real estate market kind of feels like 2005, 2006, but it seems that you know it's supply and demand. There's a lot of people looking for housing that cannot afford it, but by the same token, you have a lot of toxic companies that are their stock is going through the roof and they don't have a profit it's um it's uh it's heroin it's 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 heroin for wall street that's what the fed is they they just continue to print money out of thin air and the world can't do anything about it yeah it's quite tragic really and of course luke same question for you as you already know the internet has been a buzz and so has all sorts of media outlets out there about a potential world war coming to fruition. What do you feel about that? Well, I don't think it's going to be a world war. I do think it's going to be a nuclear war. But I think uh, it's going to be uh, against um, uh, the, um, the the tribes of Israel. I do believe that it's going to be against America. America is going to get a double portion. Uh, it's going to be against uh, Britain. In fact, it's going to be so bad in Britain, they say that there's not going to be any of the royal family left. And nobody's, to, nobody's going to be found to be made king. Um, and I think it's going to hit South Africa, Australia, New Zealand. And uh, they're all going to be taken into captivity. Lee, how do you feel about that? I don't really know how it's going to go down. That's good, I, good you know, I've, I've studied prophecy decades and... Uh, People are always talking about, you know, this is the last generation and we're in the last days. And I don't know anymore. I don't know where we're at. Interesting. And Luke, I must ask you, have you always been strictly religious? Uh, no, um, I wasn't. Uh, I was, as a kid, I went to church uh, occasionally. But um, no, I was not re religious. Um, not, not for... Not until I was about 30 years old, then I started to get into it. Really? Mm -hmm. And what prompted that? Um, I don't really know. I just I just uh, got into it, and I started to look into it from um, an historical sense more than a religious sense. I see. I wanted to look into the, the scenes. I wanted to find out exactly the historical background of Jesus as much as I could. And uh, then I got into... Uh, it from that that point uh, first, and then I went on from there. And Lee, remind the audience how you uh, came to religion. First you were in it, then you were out, then you were back in. I was uh, living in Los Angeles, was 21, and uh, smoking a joint in the bathtub. It was really high, and an earthquake hit. I'd only been living in L.A. for about a year and I just completely freaked out, ran out of the house, ran down the street in a towel. I mean, I went through my first earthquake high 
And after that, I decided to get serious with God. And one day I just got on my knees and turned my life over to him. And everything since then has been pretty much upside down in the world, but not of it. Understood, understood. And this is for both of you, as both of you probably know very so slightly of myself, where I identify as an atheist. All that really means is that I have no evidence that would prove that there is a God. Now, me saying that right now, am I going to hell, Lee? If you were to die right now? Yes. Would I go to hell? I don't know. I don't know. If you're not a believer, according to the book, yeah. And what if I have acknowledged all the gods and kept Jesus in my back pocket? Would that at all save me? No. And Luke, if I die now, will I be going to hell? No, I don't believe so. I believe you, I believe you would be um, separated very much uh, from God. It wouldn't be a very nice place, but it, it wouldn't be hell with a lot of fire and things like that. Would this be purgatory? Uh, pardon? Would that be purgatory? No, not purgatory. It's more like Hades. More, okay. Uh, we'll go there. Uh, no, but it's not, uh, no. And um, I, I believe you would then come back and at the, at, the, at the great white throne judgment, a thousand years after the millennium, I believe you would be judged. And at that time, um, I believe that, no, I don't. It says it says somewhere that um, all Israel will be saved, and as far as I'm concerned, that would be all uh, the Israel Israelite tribes would be saved, except for those that have, um, um, you know, that have broken the commandment. Uh, where uh, and there's and there's about ten of them, where it says that um, uh, your your you would you would be cut off. Meaning your soul would be cut off, right? And that would be that would be things like murder. That would be things like in, incest between uh, family members. Uh, but no, there wouldn't. And 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 uh, uh, and it would also include um, uh, the uh, 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 the um, uh, like uh, insulting or uh, cursing the Holy Spirit. Mm. But no, if, unless you do something like that, I I think you will be judged, uh, and you you know, and no, you're not going to you're not going to go to hell for for eternity. Put it that way. I hope not. That's a great answer. Now I feel better. And we, <laughs> <laughs> yes, now we do have a question from one of the listeners in the chat room named Local Machine. He says, "Ask both yes about the firmament in the Bible and what God meant by it." And I know Lee will like this one, but Luke, go ahead if you could take this one on. Or Lee, if you want to go first, you can go ahead and tackle oh, this okay. one. Uh, the, um, the firmament? Yes, sir. Um, I don't know. I've never looked into that. I have no idea what it is. Some people think it's there's been a dome put over the earth. The uh, When Jesus comes back, he says he's going to take the veil off the earth. Uh, and uh, so we'll... I believe that we'll then be able to see through all of the all of the different dimensions that uh, how the Earth was originally created. But as far as the firmament, I don't know what that is actually. Lee, go ahead. I believe it's a dome. Genesis chapter nine: Let the waters beneath the sky be gathered into one place, so dry ground may appear. That's the bottom. Name the ground land and the water sea. God saw that it was good. Uh, there was actually 
you know, we've, we've discussed this before talking about flat earth. Right. Um, what's interesting to me, and again, I do believe it's a dome and it's, and it protects and it divides second heaven from the first heaven. We live in the first heaven in the third dimension. We're third, three dimensional creatures. And in the second heaven is, um, uh, the realm of the principalities of darkness that they talk about in Ephesians chapter six. Um, and then in the third heaven is God. But, you know, a- as we've talked about sure. in previous interviews, I've changed a lot of my theology in the last four years. Once I became a believer in the flat earth, that there's actually 10 heavens, at least according to the book of Enoch, the secret of the books of Enoch and the other um, extra biblical texts, they just expound on the fact that there's actually multi-dimensions, uh, multiverses, if you will. But basically, the dome protects us. And the reason that NASA never landed on the moon is because they can't. There is no moon to land on. It's actually a light. You know, God on the fourth day created two lights in the sky, the sun and the moon. He says he created lights. So the moon is actually a light, and you can't land on a light. Uh, getting to the moon is real easy. It's not that far away, but can't land on it. It's not land, just a light. And, Lee, I do have a question for you here. What makes you believe in God? I had the faith before that experience. I always believed there was a God. But when I uh, gave my life to Christ after that earthquake, I literally had a spiritual experience. I became possessed with the Holy Spirit. I could literally feel the Holy Spirit entering my body. That was at the age of uh, 21, and I'm now 62. And for 40 years, I have felt God inside of me. And that was the proof for you. Yeah, but I went through uh, periods of backsliding. I became a full-blown alcoholic as a spirit-filled Christian. It's only by God's grace that I'm even alive today. Amazing. Uh, Yeah, I just, you know, I'm very thankful what he's done in my life. Uh, faith is that substance which you can't see. It's a belief and hope in something that is intangible. And, uh, you know, it talks about coming to God as a child. I think, I guess this is the reason I got so upset at Luke, is that <laughs> I, I read the Bible and I'm a literalist. I'm very black and white. And when chapter 11 says two witnesses, I believe it's two witnesses. And in John 3.16, where it says, if you know, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, it talks about in Romans that, you know, God raised Christ from the dead, you'll be saved. I believe that, literal. I believe the words in the Bible. Now, are there misinterpretations? Yeah. And, and there's misinterpretations with the firmament. Some interpretations in the Bible talk about the firmament. Some talk about a dome. Uh, you know, it was, I believe it was God inspired through men, but there's obviously problems with the interpretation, you know, because you've got the the Old Testament, which is written in Hebrew, the New Testament in Greek, and then you're translating that to Aramaic, and then you're bringing that into Greek and then English and you know, Latin. I believe it. I don't know. I don't know what's going on, but I believe. Uh, I don't know where all this is going. And for the last four years, I believe the earth is flat. Amazing. And as much as as much as I've been an outcast my entire life, I am more of an outcast than I've ever been. I don't belong in the church. Uh, ironically, I, I'm being embraced more by the colleges. Uh, I had a college newspaper interview me last week. And they were very receptive. the The irony of the whole flat Earth 
is that the world is embracing it and the church is rejecting it. This is the same church that says it's ridiculous that we evolve from monkeys, but yet the same scientists and scientism that is propagating this is telling you that the earth is round. So you don't believe in evolution because that's what they believe, but yet you believe the earth is round because that's what they believe. It just boggles my mind that they embrace half of the heliocentric theory without giving it a second thought. And I was one of them until I did my own investigative work. It took me eight months to come around to this. And when I came around, I realized it's without a doubt the biggest conspiracy in the history of mankind. Because if it's true, then they're hiding intelligent design. Now, Lee, I have to say, Richard Dawkins is pretty much praised for saying this. Faith means belief in the absence of evidence. What's your take on that quote? I agree with him. I think he's right. And over on to, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, if you want evidence, just go outside. You know when the sun's going to rise. You know exactly when it's going to set. You look at the structure of just, you know, whether this place is round or flat. You just look at God's creation or or whoever created this place. I mean, how is it possible to create all of this? There has to be. I can't believe that we just came from a rock and two dots collided. Here's some numbers, Michael, and and I'm not trying to convert you, but in regards to the flat earth, if you believe in the heliocentric theory, you believe that right now we're spinning at a thousand miles an hour that simultaneously we're traveling at 66,000 miles per hour. And simultaneously, our galaxy is expanding at half a million miles an hour. And then the entire universe is expanding at millions of miles an hour. And when the Earth goes around the sun, you would think in the summertime you would see a different, a completely different set of stars than you do during the winter solstice. But you see the exact same configuration. And everything revolves around Polaris. Everything revolves around us. It's geocentric. And heliocentrism leads to hopelessness, that we're just a dot. It's pointless. Why are we even here? Why does life even matter? But if it's geocentric, that means we're the center of the universe and that we are special and that we were created and that there is intelligent design. And Luke, where do you stand in terms of the flat Earth? Oh, I don't even get into that. I don't know. Um... I don't know. I, I was, it's interesting. A, a couple of days ago, I got a call from somebody and he asked me, he was, he's been an atheist all his life. And he said, if there was one, um, Bible verse in the Bible that could prove God's existence, what would it be? So I told him to look at uh, Revelation 21, 19, uh, 19 to 20. And in there, it says that, uh, when the city of New Jerusalem is lowered, it goes on to tell you all the different stones that are going to be on, on, on the wall. And um, it, it's only been in the last century that's been discovered that the names of those stones are actually, they're all uh, anisotropic gems. And the, the, there's, if, 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 no, there's, no, there's no mention of a diamond on those walls. There's no mention of uh, a ruby, which are the two uh, most valuable stones. And uh, the reason is, that um, rubies and diamond are not anisotropic uh, gems; they're isotropic, which means that um, they they wouldn't be any. They, they would actually be under strong light. They only they would only be able to um, the color of them would be black, 
And the reason I think that these 12 gems that are mentioned in the Bible are actually on the walls is that um, when that Jerusalem is going to be lowered, it's going to be, look very much like a rainbow because they're very, very, very bright, colorful stones. And um, nobody knew this. Like this Revelation was written about 2,000 years ago. Nobody knew this until a, until a century ago when laser, the laser beam was discovered. So uh, as far as I'm concerned, that's one of the main uh, reasons that proves that uh, that God is an all-knowing God and he knows what he's doing. Amazing stuff. And Lee, were you going to chime in there? I heard you breathing back there. <laughs> I think you just heard me breathing. Um, I was just thinking, I was going to ask how long you've been an atheist. How long? Was a, a well, rather humorous question. Well, maybe since about seventh grade. <laughs> <laughs> what is the main obstacle? And I'm not even the main obstacle. I'm not talking about becoming a Christian. I'm talking about a belief in any kind of higher power. You don't believe in any higher power. You don't believe in uh, Allah, Buddha, any of it, right? Well, the thing is, I'd like to believe in things that I can prove. If you pick up your phone and you call me, how does that work? I know you can, you can explain it from a scientific, <laughs> sure. you know, it goes to, a, it, it triangulates in its GPS and all of that. But I mean, how do you explain the waves? And the same thing with radio, FM waves are closer, AM waves are further apart. I have been in radio for 30 years. But I don't think it's God I don't doing understand, that, I don't understand it. I can't see it. I can't see it. Yeah, but, but the I thing is, it. just because X, Y, and Z doesn't make sense, you don't have to assert God into the picture as it being the reason. Well, let's do this. Let's assert intelligent design. If, for example, let's just hypothesis. Sure. If I were able to prove to you, and I'm not going to, and I can't, but let's say I was able to prove to you that the earth was flat. Somehow we got into this rocket that Elon, Elon Musk let us borrow, and we took it up right to the edge of the firmament, and we tapped on it, and you saw that, and then you saw the flat plane of the earth and maybe just tilting up a little bit on the edges. And you saw without a doubt that the earth was flat and you knew in your heart for the first time in your life that indeed the earth was flat. What would be your next thought? Well, I'd be severely confused if any of that happened to be true, especially if I'm on a ship and I hit some sort of a dome, I would have to be pretty astonished that that even uh, is something that exists. I agree. I have a hard time believing there's a firmament above us. Of all the moving parts of a flat earth theory, the firmament is the hardest part yeah. for me to get my head around but Lee, let me to ask, this moment. Lee, let me ask you this, though. Have you ever looked up some of the things that you believe in and try to uh, debunk them. I haven't. I've never tried to debunk my belief. And why not, though? That's something that. Well, is... I I just didn't have mm-hmm. that one experience. Uh, I have. I've had many. I've actually gone through deliverance. I've had uh, demons cast out of me, and I've cast mm-hmm. demons out of people. I mean, I'm not doing it. I'm doing it through the power of Christ. But what I'm saying is. I've been on both sides of spiritual warfare. I've seen uh, firsthand what happens in the unseen realm. I, I was delivered from a spirit of asthma. I was delivered from a spirit of depression from someone praying for me. And I didn't even expect it. It came out of nowhere. 
And I've also prayed for people that have been delivered from demons. You know, this kind of ties into the Nephilim, which I wanted to talk about. Sure. Yeah, we'll get into that. And I'm sure Luke has something to say about that as well. Well, sure. I do. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Lee. Start us off here. The Nephilim are the offspring of the dark angels and women. Uh, In the book of Genesis, in chapter 6, verse 4, it talks about women basically having sex with dark angels. And a lot of churches don't teach this because it's just too controversial and not something you want to bring the family to hear on a Sunday morning (laughs) when everything's going all nice and and rainbows. Um, But essentially, that is the reason I believe that God flooded the earth is because the systemic DNA of man had been corrupted. So you had these 200 angels come down to earth. They transformed into men because in, in Hebrews it talks about entertaining angels unaware. So by putting all of this together, I believe the angels came down to earth, had sex with women, created this race of giants called the Nephilim. They began to eat all of the vegetation all of the animals began to have sex with the animals, which created these hybrid monsters, satyrs, uh, all of those uh, figures you hear about in mythology. I don't believe that they're fiction. I believe they're real. And then God saw all of the corruption and the fact that Satan had corrupted the seed of man and only Noah was perfect in his generations. And so he flooded the earth. And it's interesting because it talks about the floods coming down from the windows of heaven, the gates of heaven, though the firmament was open, the ocean above came down and the water from below came up and everyone was killed except for Noah and his family. There was another incursion around the time of David. And of course, the example is Goliath. So there was a second incursion. But I believe the scripture that says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be before the coming of the Son of Man, that there's going to be a final incursion of the Nephilim. And they're already here. I believe that guys like Jack Parsons, uh, L. Ron Hubbard, even Walt Disney may have had limited encounters. Guys like Crowley, uh, you get this esoteric knowledge if you go through the proper ceremonies and you learn from them. And that's what the the 200 uh, uh, watcher angels, they call them watchers, when they came down to earth, one of the things they taught man was magic. And magic with a K is uh, esoteric occultism that teaches you to tap into the dark side. And there's power in it. There's power in it. And that's where a lot of this knowledge is coming from. I believe, and I'll go, I'll go out on a tangent to show you that I'm not essentially sane myself. I believe a lot of this UFO activity is the military, but it's military technology that was given to the military, not just the U.S., but all military uh, of all countries, uh, in exchange, you give us your allegiance, we'll give you technology. So I believe the Nephilim are already here. And when they talk about reptilians and all that, I don't go that far. But I do believe dark angels can shapeshift into human beings. So there's a whole other level of UFO technology that is, in fact, being given to man from this latest incursion of the Nephilim, which will be the final incursion. Even though I'm an atheist, all of this is fascinating to me and it always has been the thing is even though i've been an atheist for a long time that doesn't mean i have not studied at least seven different religions to be honest with you my friends which religion do you lean towards the most Oof, that's kind of difficult to say to be honest with you i can't really choose one that i that i would have to say well this one makes the most sense to me 
What are you looking for? You're looking for empirical evidence? Is that it? I'm looking for proof. The thing is, I'm not going to find proof. And that's what I came to the conclusion uh, way back in seventh grade. I just, I realized even back then, I'm I'm never going to find proof of this. It's never going to be enough for me to fully believe. Sometimes people want to believe things because it feels good. I'm not someone who wants to believe in things because it feels good. I rather believe in things that are proven. It's just would, my opinion. I could be wrong. I, I mean, I you think know, you would I'm do well observing a deliverance session. Maybe. There's a guy in Africa. His name is uh, TB Joshua. You might want to jot this down. Uh, he has a YouTube channel called Scone. I'll make a note. Yeah. All right. S-C-O-A-N. S-C-O-A-N. And on his channel, because this is Africa and it's third world in Nigeria, uh, they do deliverance all the time. And you will see demonic manifestations. What was interesting about Jesus was not so much his preaching, but what drew people to Jesus was the deliverance. There was a pastor who was asked, uh, an African pastor, they said, well, so what's your marketing plan? How do you, uh, how do you get so many people to follow you? Obviously, you're successful. He goes, uh, I just walk into a village and I ask if anybody's sick or being oppressed. And then they bring them out and I pray for them and the demons are delivered. And uh, next time it's, you know, twice the crowd. That's what Jesus did. He was raising people from the dead and delivering people of demons. And more than any other manifestation, no demon was ever delivered in the Old Testament, at least the way it's written. It was only in the New Testament that deliverance had begun, and it had begun with the ministry of Christ. If you see someone who's demonically oppressed— and a Christian can't be possessed by a demon, but a, a Christian certainly can be oppressed by a Christian, by a demon. I was. I had demons inside me, and I was a spiritual Christian. But I've received prayer. I've had demons come out of me. They've manifested. And I've prayed for people, and demons have come out of them. And that demonstration of the power of the Spirit does more for people's faith than anything I've ever seen. So my recommendation for you, Michael— just go to YouTube, watch a few videos of this guy, and you, you'll say it's like the flat earth. You'll go, this is nuts. But when you watch the 10th and the 20th video and you see a consistency in the pattern, you'll know they're not faking it. You can watch video, one video and go, oh, that was fake. But when you're on your 20th video and you're seeing that this is being done in real time and these people are not plants, I mean, this is uh, Lagos, Nigeria, a city of 20 million people. You're not staging stuff like you do. This is not like the Houston Astros. You're not faking it. Uh, but anyway, S-C-O-A-N. Maybe that would be the best route for you because if you're looking for evidence, I don't think anything demonstrates the power of Christ more than his ministry of deliverance. Amazing. I will definitely have to look into that. And of course, Luke, are you still with us out there? Oh, yeah, I am. I am. Yep. I definitely want you to tell us about the Nephilim or Nephilim, whichever you would like to pronounce it, uh, the sons of God and daughters of men in Genesis. And, of course, there is still much debate as to the identity of the sons of God. Um, your take on the Nephilim. Um, okay. Uh, in Ephesus chapter 6, verse 12, it says, the, For our struggle uh, is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness and against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. 
Uh, if you do the gematria on all of this, it comes to the rulers are the Elohim and Beni Elohim are the sons, they are gods and the sons of the gods. The powers are the watchers, the 200 that originally came down and mated with women. The world forces of darkness are the Nephilim and Rephim, and the spiritual forces of darkness are the are demons. Um, I, I believe that all of these people are back on earth today because it's... Uh, I believe we are living in the time of of, uh, of Noah when uh, uh, all of these people were back on Earth. I believe they're all back on Earth now. Um, and I also believe that um, what some people call the An- Anunnaki yes. uh, and, and are expecting and are expecting these people to come back from outer space. Uh, these are not benevolent uh, people from another planet. These are again the uh, Neophim and the Rephim. And or or uh, you know, and they've just and they're all back on Earth today as well. Um, and I believe they're all in a, a, a power, like in in in, in authority um, and are and are ruling over us. Um, I I don't. Uh, all the, the Jesus said all of these people are all going to be destroyed, and I and I, and I think they all will be. Um, but um, as for um, uh, as for um, when that's going to happen, I don't know. I think it's going to be relatively soon. I think we're all, we're just heading for uh, a showdown here and here on Earth that is uh, and this this age, um, the age of grace is rapidly coming to an end, and I think uh, the the age of, of peace at Pisces is coming to an end, and I think uh, uh, Jesus will come back uh, in the age of Aquarius, and that's when the millennium will start. Understood. And as you know, and as well as you know, Lee. There has been a buzz about extraterrestrials and UFOs. If you turn on CNN, you'll probably, or even Fox News, you'll probably even hear about Luis Elizondo and uh, all the UFO excitement that has come to fruition over the past couple of years now. And some people have even been saying that these aliens are uh, demonic. How do you feel about that, Lee? We'll start with you first. I don't believe... They're demonic, and I'll, I'll explain that. Um, yeah, go in ahead. the book of Enoch, it goes into great detail about what happened. When God flooded the earth, he killed all of the Nephilim. Again, the Nephilim are the hybrids. They're half human, half dark angel, but they have spirits. So according to the book of Enoch, the watchers had to watch their offspring, the Nephilim, round in the deluge. But their spirits were not judged, or, or rather their bodies were not judged. They were just killed. He killed them. God killed them. But their spirits continue to live on as demons. So the demons are the uh, are persons, just like the Nephilim were persons, but they're the disembodied spirits of the Nephilim. So according to the book of Enoch, a tenth of the demons are, are in our world, on the flat plane of this earth, and 90% are in hell. But our battle is against demons. We have authority over demons as Christians to cast them out. What we don't have authority over is dark angels. Again, this is the principality realm of the second heaven. It is these dark angels that are going to come down, I believe, uh, as our alien saviors, as part of this panspermia. If you watch anything by Ridley Scott, uh, especially Prometheus, and uh, he was also the executive producer of uh, Strange Angel, the uh, series uh, about Jack Parsons, the uh, scientists with uh, jet propulsion 
what you're going to see or what I believe you're going to see is a manifestation of these dark angels. They're going to come down to earth and they're going to say, we created you. We are the engineers. Just like in Prometheus, they're going to say, we are your engineers. We've been watching you and uh, we're going to pass along technology to you. That would include free energy and we're going to uh, give you extended life spans. They're going to answer all the questions that have been ever asked and they're going to encompass all the religions and say, we are the summation of all the religions. We are the gods. And we're going to teach you to be gods just like us. You're going to be many gods. You're going to live forever. And we're going to do this through transhumanism and the singularity. And the way this is going to work is you're going to become like us. As you can tell, we're eternal beings and we don't die. We're going to give you a part of our DNA. Right now, you have a double helix DNA. We're going to give you the missing strand that you lost in the Garden of Eden from the Demiurge, the God who doesn't want to enlighten you. And we're going to fill you with that third strand, and you're going to become eternal, and you're going to have eternal life just like us. And the majority of the world is going to take the bait because it's going to make sense, and it's going to be done with excellent production values. And the world is ready for a savior, and that's what this space force is all about that Trump's pushing forward. It's all about taking that next step to the ultimate moment, which is disclosure and the revelation of our alien saviors who are, in fact, dark angels working at the behest of Satan. Amazing. And, of course, the U.S. Space Force has revealed the new uniforms, by the way, for those that have been keeping up with all the uh, Space Force news, by the way. and. I did yeah, see, and I'm reading yes. that article, and it says they have camouflage, and the question is, right. why do you need camouflage in space to hide from aliens? Indeed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's we, we've always had people in the military looking at all the satellites already, so this is sort of a strange sort of concoction here. It really comes down to the shape of the Earth. Amazing. You're, it really does. I mean, it. it, it what I'm finding is that not only am I at odds with the church, most of the church I don't want to be a part of anyway, but I'm finding that those that are in the occult, those that are atheists like yourself, those that are just searching. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I, I got excited. Of, I, think of, I think of a guy like Ben Gillette. He was on Rogan's podcast, and they were talking about Trump. And uh, uh, Ben Gillette said, you know, Eric Trump came up to me, and he said, you know, you're like the first person that likes my dad. Most people don't like him. and 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 Gillette was basically saying, oh, I just try to be kind. And I think that's what atheists do. They try to show, and I'm, and I'm not saying this to belittle you. I'm saying this sure. to okay. show humanity. I think in many ways, a lot of atheists try to show the humanity of what we can be. But the issue I have is the systemic flaw in all of us, which is that we're all fallen. And as much as we try to be good, all of us have a darkness inside of us that needs to be reckoned with. And I. Personally, I agree. Yes, I have. A, I, I, I'm finding myself getting along much more with those in the world than those in the body. And those in the body, I do get along with. I have a, a tighter bond than I ever had. Um, I live on the east coast of Florida. I'm right down the road from NASA. But I was living in Austin. And I was going to a home church there, and it was very unusual. So when I wrote this book about the flat Earth, I wrote it here in Florida. And this past summer, I went to the home church, and I was really nervous about telling them that I now believe the earth is flat. The woman running it is 87 years old, 
and she's like the oracle in the matrix very wise <laughs> yes so i so i go you know i wrote a book and she goes yeah and i go well you know it's it's about lucifer telling everyone that the world is flat and she looked at me right in the eyes and she goes yeah it's flat and then i turned to my left and there's a 12 year old kid standing next to his father and he says yeah it's flat there there are a lot of people that believe what i believe but they're scared to death to come out and say it for fear of repercussion. And that would include losing your job, losing your wife, losing your husband, losing respect in the community. But there's an awakening going on, and it's mostly going on with millennials. There's two different worlds. There's the world before the Internet and after. Everyone born after the Internet, the millennials, look at the world with suspicion because they now have access to the entire history of mankind on their phone. We, or at least me, I was born before the internet, and when we saw a man land on the moon, we had three channels, and no one doubted it. I believe 100% we did not go to the moon. I believe 100% the earth is flat, and that's after doing a lot of research, and not just reading the Bible and the book of Enoch, the secret of the books of Enoch, Jubilees, and all of those books, but also reading in the occult. I read the, uh, uh, the Secret Teachings of All Ages by Manley Hall which is the Bible of the occult. That's a good that book. Book's, yes. Yeah, that book sold in the 1920s, in the 1920s, for $150 a copy. That's in 1920 money. That's like a $1,000, $1,000 in today's money. So from reading all of this, watching hundreds of YouTube videos, I came to the conclusion most millennials came to. The moon landings are fake, and according to a Forbes article from 2018, one-third of millennials question the shape of the Earth. One-third, that's millions and millions of just American kids. That's a pretty interesting statistic, too. Yeah, if you type in Forbes, Flat Earth, uh, two-thirds millennials, you can pull up the article. As you, bring up, as you bring up millennials as well, I have also remember reading plenty of articles that say millennials are leaving religion as well, too. And they should. Yeah, I think lots of people are leaving religion. This gets back to what I was saying earlier, Michael. Yes. A demonstration. You know, Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul, said, I didn't come with wise words and wisdom, lest anything be taken away from the go gospel. I came with a demonstration of the Spirit. And what he's talking about is casting out demons, healing the sick. When you go into a uh, – I'm, I'm speaking figuratively here. When you go into a village, a third-world village – and you tell people who's sick, who's being oppressed, and you start casting out demons, healing the sick in Christ's name, you're going to get attention, and people are going to pay attention because you're doing something that no one's ever done. You're trumping the occult. You're trumping Satan. And I think more than anything, Satan despises deliverance and deliverance ministry because it, it is a hand-to-hand -hand combat and it, and it shows the superiority of Christ over Satan every time. I like the way you put that together there. That was nice. Oh, thank you. Very good. Very good. And of course, Luke, are you still with us out there? Yeah, I am. Yep. Amazing. I did want your take on these extraterrestrials. Are they demonic? Oh, I believe they all are. They're not demonic. Yes, I do. Um, the Bible says he's going to, uh, God says he's going to fill us, uh, the earth with the uh, locusts, <clears throat> and I believe the locusts are um, um, Nazis, or people like Nazis. There's been a lot of people that have been, uh, uh, say they have been abducted, 
And when they're asked, uh, what do they remind you of? A lot of them say Nazis. It's interesting that, um, it's interesting that, uh, uh, the Illuminati always tell us what they're going to do ahead of time. And, um, a couple of months ago, <clears throat> there was a couple of stories on the news about people on aircraft, different airlines, other states getting bitten by scorpions. And then after that, <clears throat> Las Vegas <clears throat> got hit by a swarm of locusts. Well, locusts in Gematria are Nazis, and scorpions are SS. And uh, they all came into the States and in Argentina after the war. I think they're all back, and I think they're all um, de demonic. Very interesting. Lots of people do believe that these things are demonic in nature. I have no idea if they really are, to be completely honest with you. Some people say that these alien gray beings are not even organic that they are some sort of outer shell, uh, some sort of robotic uh, entity, really, some hybrid of sorts, some have even said. I'm not sure if any of if either of you believe that theory, but that's what some people have speculated in the past. Well, last week I heard that the Russians had warned the Americans in Iran <clears throat> that um, uh, there was a... Uh, they, uh, Putin is very much, he's always talking about the ne Nephilim, and evidently, uh, I heard a story that he had warned the Americans that the Nephilim were coming uh, towards one of their bases, and the Americans pulled out. Uh, the reason being is that um, any uh, our 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 um, the weapons that the army has just can't kill these people. Um, you know that's why I find it very amusing that Americans are bunk trying to bunker down and trying to buy weapons in case something happens. Well, if these people are demonic. Um, you know, uh, a 3006 is not going to kill them. The only way to kill them is with a bazooka, if, even if that, that, and they'd have to, uh, and they'd have to cut their heads off, because that's the only way to kill a demonic creature. Amazing. There was one thing that you did mention in the email, um, before you came on, I believe the first time it was, when you talked about CERN. Yep. Yeah, tell me about that. I thought that was quite kind of interesting, and I want to I want to hear uh, Lee's reaction to this because I think Lee has a lot to say about CERN as well. Well, uh, if if I'm right, and if uh, and if, if Antonio Guterres is the Antichrist, he is actually Nimrod, and Nimrod built Tower of Babel, which I don't believe was a tower at all. I believe it was other technology, very much like a. Um, like a, a, a hadron collider um, to open up, uh, you know, to open up uh, different dimensions. And um, the United Nations, in fact, uh, 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 Antonio Guterres, they're actually in charge of CERN. And so I don't think anything they tell us they're doing at CERN is, um, you know, is truthful. I think that what they are trying to do is they're trying to open up uh a, a, like a wormhole or uh, uh, another way of breaking uh, the veil in order to bring in all of these demonic entities from the dark side. And I think that's what they're trying to do. And I think eventually they will be successful. But I don't think that's going to happen until after the rapture. Amazing. Lee, go ahead. What's your take on CERN? Uh, I agree. It's a, uh, it's a tool capable of opening an interdimensional portal into a parallel dimension or dimensions. It's the uh, Large Hadron Collider is the largest particle accelerator machine in the world. It's about 300 feet under the surface of the flat Earth, and it's actually built over the burial ground of Apollo. It's right there on the uh, Switzerland 
Austrian border. Uh, and I believe it's actually attempting to tear the physical and spiritual veil uh, and trying to bring up the dark angels that were punished. And these are the these are the watcher angels that I believe are being kept in chambers right now. And it's interesting that scientism and scientists are always trying to separate religion from science. Yet there's a statue of Shiva, the Hindu god of destruction and transformation, above the LHC, and that is an altar and also a spiritual portal because Shiva is one of the primary deities of the Hindu uh, trinity. Shiva destroys, Vishnu preserves, and Brahma recreates. So basically the Large Hadron Collider is there to tear the veil that separates the abyss of hell under the earth and also to connect to the fourth heaven. And this also connects with Saturn. Saturn is also known as the planet of Satan. Let me just pause you there really quickly and just say, do you believe symbolism is rather important? Symbols rule the world. Okay, so you do agree with me then? Yes. There's a level at which symbols are universal, no doubt. And that symbol there is quite interesting. The floor is yours. Go ahead. Uh, David Bowie, before he died, he put out a song called Black Star. He knew he was dying, and it was his final album. Black Star is resurrected sentient deity known as Saturn, which right. is also known as Satan. Mm-hmm. Satanists worship the planet Saturn. Saturn is the is one of the luminaries that changes course against the dictates of God. This is in the occult. Uh, basically, in the Book of Jubilees, it celebrates the resurrected Saturn. And uh, actually, what Luke was talking about is correct about the age of Aquarius. Uh, this is all about ushering in the Prince of Darkness and the Age of Aquarius, uh, the New Atlantis, as, as if you will. And the New Atlantis is just uh, the Old Atlantis, and the Old Atlantis was inhabited by the Nephilim. So directly beneath CERN lies the ruins of Apollo's temple. And in the mystery of religion, Osiris was worshipped as Apollo, god of the dead. So the Large Hadron Collider is in sync Get ready to jump further down the rabbit hole. <laughs> yes. Is in sync what is with this computer called an a a diabetic computer. And I always want to say diabetic, but it's spelled A D I A B A T I C. And this is a quantum computer. So basically, the Large Hadron Collider is going to connect the quantum computer to connect the as above rebellious luminary Saturn, Satan, Black Star, with the as below abyss of the hell, where the 200 watcher angels are being held. And so what CERN is trying to do is to release the 200 watcher angels that God punished. Amazing stuff. It is. And, and in the mystery religion, you know, they've got their whole other black versus white. They believe that there was a woman named Lilith and she was Adam's first wife and that she rebelled against the ancient of days and became the mother of demons. I don't believe that. But basically, the LHC is creating electrical conduits and opening up a portal between the Earth and Saturn. And I I know that um, sounds insane, (laughs) Yes, but that's what I believe is happening and what is written about in the book, Morningstar's Tale. Lilith is supposed to be some sort of vampire, if I recall. Yeah. Something of that nature, yeah. Uh, Yeah, it's all, you know, and again, I I don't have a conduit on the truth. I mean, this is just... A lot of stuff I put together, and I could be completely wrong. That's okay. It's okay. That's all right if we're but both I, wrong. But, but, yes. I, but I don't think I am. But you don't think you are. 
And no, not about most of it, unfortunately. It's, it's, it's not a very popular belief to have. It is really interesting, though. Yeah, CERN and symbolism and all these things that are going on around the world. And, of course, going back to uh, Luke, I have another question for you. In all of the upheavals around the world in politics, society, and culture, are we currently watching the unraveling of the Matrix illusion, or are we watching it shift and rebuild itself? Your thoughts, Luke? Uh, I think we're on the eve of destruction. <laughs> and I, I think the only person that's going to be able to re rebuild it is Jesus. My goodness. And what about you, uh, Lee? What's your take on that? I don't know where we're at on the timetable, but obviously technology is, uh, what do they say? It's, uh, it's doubling every four years. And that's one of the uh, prophecies in the book of Daniel. Men will go to and fro and knowledge will increase. What this is building towards is a moment of uh, decision. The uh, phone that we all carry around, I believe, one day very soon is going to be uh, miniaturized into a chip. And that chip, once it's implanted in a human being, will not just denote ownership to Satan, but what it's going to do, and this isn't talked about in the church, and this is the crux of the book, I believe it's actually going to change the person's DNA, that they're now going to reflect Lucifer, Satan, and they're going to have a triple helix DNA, and they won't be able to die. And the book of Revelation is a real interesting passage that talks about for five months, they'll be stung with scorpions, and, they, and they'll try to die, but they won't be able to. And it really is perplexing, because how can someone who wants to die not die. It's, it's, I'm not saying it's easy to commit suicide, but if people want to do it, they'll do it. But apparently there's a period of time after people take this chip where they won't be able to die. And I believe the reason they won't be able to die is that there'll be an eternal abomination. And when you see all these shows about uh, the dead, you know, uh, coming to life and, and the zombie apocalypse, I think that zombie apocalypse is a reflection of what people will be like once they take the mark of the beast because it's going to change the systemic DNA of the person. They're going to become eternal, but they're no, longer going to, they're no longer going to reflect the image of God. They're going to reflect the image of Satan. And at that moment, they'll be lost because in Revelation, it says once you take the mark, you can't go back. And I always wondered why, if God was so loving and kind and forgiving. Why couldn't he forgive people for that? The reason I believe he can't forgive people for that is that when they make that decision and that chip is implanted in their hand, it changes their systemic DNA and they can't go back to reflecting the image of God. My goodness. Lots to decipher in that. That could very well be the mark of the beast too. Oh, it is. I always thought just by having this device that I'm holding in my hand right now, this cell phone, basically was the mark of the beast. No. And I, I don't have a problem with palm technology. Amazon is talking about purchasing uh, items now using your palm. And the same thing with cell phones. I don't have a problem with any of that. As long as it's external. In other words, as long as there's a separation between my body and the technology, I don't have a problem with using it. But the moment they begin to mandate injecting something in me so oh, that right, it becomes right. part of me, yes. that's where I encourage them to kill me. And that's where we're headed. Oh, absolutely. It's going to come. It's, it's, it, and, and the weird thing is, it seems like the technology is, if anything, 
says we're in the last days, to me, it's the technology and the fact that I, I sometimes when I talk to people on the phone, I wonder if I'm talking to a bot. And, and they've done <laughs> demonstrations at Google that you can you can now order food at a restaurant and you think you're talking to a human and you're not. How far away are we from that? Probably not too far away. No. And the and the goal of all of these people is the singularity, transhumanism. And that and basically transhumanism is becoming eternal without saving grace of God. In other words, according to the Bible, wages of sin are, is death. And the way that you get right with God is by accepting Christ. That's the basic tenet that we all know. But what transhumanists are trying to do is to secure eternal life without having to go to God. And that's where this technology is going to lead. It's actually going to lead to eternal life, but it's going to be eternal life of damnation. Because it always talks in the Bible about how we're an image of God, we're a reflection of God, right. we're made in God's image. Once you take that chip, your image no longer reflects God. Your image will reflect the light bearer, My and there's goodness. no going back. So if I can tell you anything, Michael, that might change your mind somewhere down the road, if they ever mandate or ask you to implant a chip and they state that it will change your DNA, that's when you know Don't do it. that what I'm talking about <laughs> is true. Right. And you might have to die, and who are you dying for? That's the next question you'd have Google. to ask. Dine for uh, Google. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Jeff Bezos. <laughs> yeah. The, one, the one thing people have to realize about the mark of the beast, though, is it's not going to be forced on them. They, they'll they'll have, be able to either accept or reject it. And that's, uh, you know, that's the one thing people have to be aware of, and they have to reject it. And even if it means death, I mean, there's gonna, it's going to be – going to be a lot of people that are probably put to death for not accepting it. My goodness. But uh, that's the way it is. It is. And we are about 20 minutes before we shut this down, gentlemen. But I do have one more final question for the both of you. And we'll start with you, Luke. Earlier in the program, I interviewed a gentleman, and he was doing a document, a documentary series, rather, on channelers. And I was curious what your take was on these people who uh, talk to the dead, basically. What is your take on that, Luke? Well, if they're trying to contact a relative, it's impossible. Uh, but there are dem demonic beings that they probably do contact who, who lie and say that they are, you know, a relative of so-and-so. And they would have access to some information regarding that person. But no, I don't believe it's possible to contact the dead as such. I always found that to be a little unusual for someone to uh, contact someone in, in the beyond because you don't exactly know who you're talking to. It could be something else or it could even just be uh, you talking to your unconscious mind. Uh, yeah. And Lee, same thing. What's your take on this? I believe they're talking to demons. Uh, let's say Noah's flood. If you, you know, we'll, we'll go down that rabbit hole. It was sure. about... 2,400 years ago, and the spirits of the Nephilim, which are the disembodied persons, disembodied spirits, have been around. Demons have been around for at least 2,400 years, B.C., so probably about 4,000 years. And what they do is they try to inhabit an object, an animal, than a person. And, and they would rather inhabit a person than an animal, than an object. So demons study people. 
and they're generational. And that's what they mean by generational curses. So a demon a thousand years ago could have inhabited your great, 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 great grandfather. And generationally, he just hops to the next generation into that body, into that host. And so he knows a lot about our history, our lineage. And if he hasn't been cast out and he's a generational familiar spirit, and a familiar spirit is one that's in a family, they understand us. And and demons are smarter than us. They're more intelligent. And they are persons. They're disembodied spirits. So when someone channels or goes to a Ouija board, they do make contact. And those people they're contacting are demons. And quite often those demons know how to impersonate the dearly beloved. So you might be with a a channeler and you would say, I want to talk to my mom. She's dead. And the channeler will start speaking in the voice of your mother. And that's the demon speaking through her, imitating your mother, because that demon spent its life in your mother and knows all of her idiosyncrasies intimately and can even imitate her. Demons are incredibly intelligent and powerful, more powerful than us. Without Christ, we're no match for them. But with Christ, we can dominate and cast out any terrestrial spirit in this realm. We just don't mess with dark angels and principalities because that's out of our realm. Amazing. And are you excited for the Passion of the Christ resurrection coming in April 2020, by the way? I didn't know it was coming. I know. I plugged Mel Gibson's movie there. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Boy, am I ignorant. I didn't know it was coming. Yeah. Mel Gibson releases April 2020. What's it called? It's called The Passion of the Christ Resurrection, a sequel to The Passion of the Christ 2004 focuses on the events that occurred three days between the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and the resurrection. So after the resurrection, because the passion of the Christ took us to the resurrection. Right. Okay, so so right after. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. This should be interesting. Um, What about you, uh, Luke? Are you a fan of Mel Gibson? Not at all. <laughs> I'm not really either, uh, but I do like The Passion of the Christ. Good movie. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't accurate, though. It re- yeah, I it mean, was- it wasn't historically that accurate. If if you want to go down that route, some people yeah. don't even believe Jesus Christ existed. Uh, that comes from another author out there um, who talks about Jesus being made up by the Romans. No, I, I, he was an, an historical character, but um, as far as um, him, him being the incarnate uh, logos, um, I believe he was. But uh, he was actually, I believe he was two men in one. He was man and he was God. Amazing. And uh, pardon? I said amazing. And when he, uh, it was one of the one of the things that uh, that uh, I think actually proved this was that uh, after uh, he 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 rose from the dead, they found um, his head covering which was folded and left behind in the cave um, in the temple in the tomb he was in well in the scene in the with the Essenes uh, folding a napkin at a table uh, was a sign if you got up from the table and went out but you you were going to come back in and you were going to finish a meal folding a napkin and leaving it there meant that you were returning so I believe that's the sign you will be coming back amazing stuff and of course we are down to just a couple more minutes here, and we'll start with you, Lee, as we part ways here. I do want to thank you for being a part of the program yet again. It's been interesting to have you here, my friend. 
Yeah, I think if you if you edit out the part where I I got upset, it was no, a pretty no. good show. No, we're leaving that in. That was great. <laughs> I figured you would. Disagreements. I, the one are thing, good. I'll tell you what shocks me is the fact that I can oh. tell you all about the Astros scandal with Altuve and the uh, uh, the buzzers, but I didn't know this movie, Passion of the Christ sequel, is coming out. Oh, it's coming this year. How did that get under my radar? I guess I'm spending too much time. Well, they haven't really advertised it much. That's the first I've heard of it. Yeah, they haven't really put too much uh, play into it. I mean, uh, G- Mel Gibson is, isn't exactly on top of um, Hollywood's good boy list, to be honest with you. No, he's not. And he probably would be the perfect director for this. I mean, the, I, you know, I, I'll disagree with Luke on this one. I, I think the, the Passion of the Christ was an amazing movie and you know you you hear the stories i don't know if you ever watched any videos with jim caviezel but he was talking about what he went through uh while he was filming that while he was hanging on the cross he was hit with lightning he suffered uh hypothermia shoulder separation he basically was beaten down a terrible experience but i believe that that's how he identified with Christ through the suffering. I see. I see. And it's the, not a popular. It's not. You know. It really. It. When you yes. think about it, Michael, it really mm-hmm. isn't a popular message. America has made it popular. You know, with the prosperity gospel. But you know, when when Christ says, "Take up your cross and follow me," that's not exactly saying you're going to get uh, all your dreams are going to come true. Uh, and when I watch videos like Scone videos from Africa, I was telling you about. Yes. Their their form quote unquote, of Christianity is so different from us. And the and the one thing that Africa has that we don't have is desperation. And that desperation leads people to Christ. And we don't have that here. And maybe Luke is right when we start experiencing African type uh tribulation, more people will make a decision. We'll have to see. And Luke as we Luke, Lee, I mean, as we part ways here, Lee, I must ask you this one where do you stand in terms of pedophiles? Do they deserve the chair immediately like I think they do? Your take. I'm kind of a weird duck. I don't believe in capital punishment, and I also don't believe in abortion. Uh, but as a human being, as a fellow human being, I I have no problem with what you just said. And the same thing for murderers. As a person, yeah, you kill somebody, you should be killed. And if you're a pedophile probably the same thing amen so i i feel the so, same you way. know as a human being i'm not i'm i'm flawed incredibly flawed hey that makes I mean, two you of us tell, you can tell halfway through the interview i'm melting down on luke i've got a lot of problems don't worry but, you're you're uh, that was just your anger it happens well gee jesus turned over tables i yelled at luke that's okay <laughs> that's okay everyone has to work on their anger we all have anger inside of us every now and then and it comes out every now and then you know it's cool it does. Well, Lee, once again, thank you so much for being a part of the program. Plug anything you'd like. The floor is now yours, Lee. It's the book, uh, Morningstar's Tale, T-A-L-E. It uh, is a narration by Lucifer. Because the flat earth is such a divisive subject, I knew that if I wrote it in the first person, nobody would believe me. But ironically, having it told by Lucifer gives it credibility. And he tells you from the beginning you're not going to believe it. And that emboldens him to tell the truth. So he goes against his nature 
and begins telling the truth of how his kingdom is set up. He basically reveals his cards because he knows you won't believe him because the story is so insane. It's kind of like with the screw tape letters with C.S. Lewis when one demon was telling another demon how to oppress Christians, kind of along that same vein. Understood. Well, my friend, thank you so much for being a part of the program. We will talk again on the other side. Thank you, Michael. All right. Take care, my friend. Take care. Bye-bye. And there he goes, boys and girls. That was Mr. Lee Austin. And now we are just down to one more soul, and that would be Mr. Luke Prophet. And Luke, same question. Where do you stand in terms of pedophiles? Do you think they deserve a more strict sentencing like I believe, in my opinion? Oh, yes. I believe they believe. I believe they certainly deserve death. Uh, I mean, nobody was for children uh, as much as Jesus. Um, uh, and, he, and he basically says that uh, if anybody harms a little child, it would be better uh, that uh, they, they put a milestone around their necks and threw themselves into the sea. And I, you know, one of the things that I believe, Michael, is that when the rapture occurs, there's going to be a lot of, of uh, people that um, aren't necessarily Christians and have children, babies and toddlers. Those under the age of, um, of, 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 um, you know, of not being able to accept Jesus. And I think they're all going to be removed. And I think they're going to be uh, looked after, probably in heaven. And they are going to be returned, um, to their parents at the greater exodus in Egypt. And they will not have aged. So if anybody has a child like a baby or a, a toddler and they're missing after the rapture, um, I think those people will be saved, the, the adults will be saved to uh, be reunited with their children later. But yeah, I think that, uh, pedophiles will definitely uh, should deserve death. Amazing. And of course, Luke, I want to thank you tremendously for being a par uh, part of the program. I no hope problem. You, I hope you had fun here tonight. I, I enjoy talking to you as always. Yeah, I, I enjoyed myself. Um, one of the things I just wanted to say is, we're running out of time for people if they if they've made up their minds that they they believe in Jesus to please go out and get yourself baptized because um, the only thing that's holding back things right now is the, is the Holy Ghost and or the Holy Spirit and he and he's only going to be do, doing that until he's taken out of the way and that's exactly what the Bible says he will be taken out of the way being he's going to be removed from the earth so um, make up your minds to go and get baptized as soon as possible amazing. Any final words, by the way, before I cut you loose? Anything you want to plug, brother? Well, <laughs> I wouldn't mind plugging my my work on uh, on. Uh, if people just look up my name, uh, Doctor Luke Prophet, P R O P H E T, um, they can they'll go under uh, and they'll they'll be able to find on Before It's News all sixteen of my articles. Very nice. And well, uh, mm -hmm. most of them are are about uh, you know prophecy and. Uh, I think they'll find them very interesting. Yes. Once again, thank you so much for being a part of the program. No we will definitely do this again in the future, my friend. I take care of yourself out there and enjoy the rest of your weekend, my friend. Yes, I will. Take care. All right. Mahalo. Take care. And there he goes, boys and girls. That was Mr. Luke Prophet. My God, what a show that was. I really had a great time there, and I hope all of you had pretty good time yourselves and of course as i take this home here tonight and and before i pull this larry silverstein style i definitely want to thank all of you out there the international listeners of course 
and those in the chat room. Always nice to see you out there, too. Always nice to see you out there. And, of course, I do want to thank Mr. Luke Prophet and Mr. Lee Austin. That was pretty damn fun. And remember, you can get a hold of me during the show via Twitter, at Michael Deacon. And don't forget, if you are a fan of the program and want to help fund the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Michael Deacon. That's where you will find the program and all extra content. I would appreciate if all of you would go out there and uh, sign up. Oh, it's worth it. Trust me. It really is. It really is. Once again, thank you, boys and girls. That was fun. It really, really was. Interesting night yet again. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I can't help but think, are we truly alone in the universe? Do we have some sort of a cosmic neighbor somewhere out there, anywhere? I don't know. We'll find out soon enough. Stay safe, everyone, no matter where you are on this island Earth. I'm Michael Deacon, and with that said, the world is a mysterious place, and life itself is a mystery. Until next time, good night, everybody.